Hey everybody, it's Aaron from Aaron and Patricia. My name is Aaron. And my name is Patricia from Aaron and Patricia. <laughs> and you join us on the 5th of December 5th of 2021. So um, we currently uh, don't know if this is going to be the series finale or if this is going to be just a, another episode in the show. So we're going to try to put on the best show that we can just in case it is the uh, series finale. But uh, I think you'll find out when the next episode is a clip show or something like that. So I think that's probably the best way to kind of describe it. So um, coming next month, we're potentially looking at maybe doing Dream Machine again. But... If uh, circumstances don't change with the way things are going right now, one thing we might do is, is that we might leave Dream Machine until the new year, and then after that, we'll we'll just continue on doing Aaron and Patricia episodes. In uh, doing a pretty special twist on it, I think. So, yeah, uh, yeah. So it should be all pretty exciting. Coming up, however, regardless of what we got this show to go through, so we're going to do this thing first. So first of all, before we go into what's going to be on the show, we want to say a happy Hanukkah to all our Jewish friends here at the Aaron and Patricia, and also an old school lane in on the Aaron Matters show. As you know, we've had various uh, great Jewish guests on the uh, on Aaron and Patricia and old school lane, Justin Shankar being one of them. So shout out to him on this very special day. And, yes. And uh, also uh, just uh, that, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a, a holiday that's recently been, uh, mentioned uh, many times on various animated shows, uh, the ghost of Molly McGee being one of them. So, uh, and it's also, you know, besides, I'm really glad that animation right now is paying attention to Hanukkah because, I mean, uh, for a very long time, unfortunately, like the probably the only mentionable like Hanukkah kind of like animated thing I think we could probably say it's probably been eight crazy nights by Adam Sandler, which was not well, a good not, thing not to by, mention there's also the, the Rugrats Hanukkah special. Uh, well, oh yeah, those also the Rugrats Hanukkah specials as well, and also they which, uh, by the way, celebrated its twenty fifth anniversary. Indeed, and also they remade the episode too on the uh, Rugrats. Remake. Yes, they did. They did. They also included Christmas Hanukkah and La Posadas, which is actually a really interesting addition. Which um, that is a Spanish uh, version of celebrating the holidays. Yeah, but you know, like uh, every show uh, in existence, at least has had a Christmas episode. Of course, least. yeah. And so, like, uh, I mean, I don't know what I'm going to do with the Owl House because, I mean, obviously the uh, the the show's been cut short, so I don't know if they've had a chance to actually even do anything. No, I, I don't think they there. they would have to do a, a Christmas special. I mean, Amphibia just did a Christmas special, it, which I did see like clips of it, especially with um, Rebecca Sugar singing its song, which you know is awesome as always. So that's yeah. actually pretty neat. And always there's Arnold's Christmas from Hey Arnold too, which is like my favorite yes. Christmas episode of all time. So I yes, and I and I did a video on that a while ago discussing about what made it so special. Yeah, and I mean, Craig talks about it too on the. Uh, but anyway, we're not speaking for Christmas, but we're talking about Hanukkah. So, yes, yes, yeah, yes. But, so, uh, yeah, they're, they're, you're right. There aren't a lot of Hanukkah specials out there. I was trying to look up some um, articles discussing about like what are the best Hanukkah movies or TV shows, episodes, or specials that you should watch. And a lot of them are pretty much the same. I mean, you have the Rugrats Hanukkah special, which is like a staple. Like almost every single list I've ever seen has this. A Crazy Nice is also on the list as well, which is unfortunate because yeah. it's currently the only like theatrical film that actually has our character celebrate Hanukkah. I think somewhere down the line, they have to make another Hanukkah movie. You know, or at least like I mean, and maybe kind of maybe it'll be like the whole like Super Mario Brothers situation in which like you know Miyamoto d didn't want to do it again because he of how much of a disaster it was. So it's like maybe people are afraid to do it. I mean, there have been Hanukkah movies, but they've been like parodies, like um, 
uh, I think what, what was it like the um, there was like the the Hanukkah hammer or something like that where it's like a parody of of Hanukkah or something. And you know, there, that, that, there's also a lot... that, that reminds me of that sketch in the Amanda show when uh, they like uh, like Amanda like for whatever reason like started creating these like uh, hammers with like Hanvi Hanukkah written on them. If you remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember. Yeah. And uh, then there was also um, a lot of Hallmark movies recently are doing Hanukkah specials. So yeah, we need to have a theatrical movie where it features Hanukkah. Um, then there's also uh, another example I can think of is like um, let's see, Sherry Lewis and Lamb Chop did a Hanukkah special, which make a lot of sense because Sherry Lewis herself is Jewish. And, um, you know, there's like Sesame Street, which also does like Hanukkah specials. Um, Blues Clues and You recently did a Hanukkah special because Periwinkle is Jewish because, okay, I mean, perfectly fine. Uh, so yeah, there's like a handful of them around. Um, so if there are out there, so if you can go look at it uh, up, then that's great. I actually, yeah, speaking of Molly McGee, they actually praise the Hanukkah specials, saying like, you know, it's one of the quintessential ones now, which, you know what, I'm I'm really excited about taking a look into it once I catch up with Amphibia. Yeah, and also it's uh, one. It's also another episode that kind of continues debates of like, you know, are they or not they between Molly McGee and Libby? So, oh, like, yeah. so I think, <laughs> of course. Because, you know, she, she, she really, uh, in her bat mitzvah, she wanted to actually spend time with uh uh, with, uh, with with Molly specifically, so like uh, there's there's that debate currently going on at the moment. So, sure, uh, sure. Yeah, there's that, you know. Exactly, uh, yeah. Yeah, but uh, so happy Hanukkah to everybody, and uh, yeah, it's um, sure it's going to be a very special time for everybody. So yes, absolutely. Happy Hanukkah, everyone. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, we've got a show to get through. So um, coming up on the show, Tumblr has released its top 100 shows. We're going to look at Disney-specific ones because they're all quite surprising. Uh, Avatar Studios is developing its own custom 2G CG animation, and uh, we're going to tell you about that too. A Loud House Christmas is uh, currently the top TV kids entertainment telecast of 2021. Tell you about that too. BuzzFeed has uh, interestingly decided to do its top 25 best cartoon network shows of all time. Me and Patricia will be the judges of that. Uh, we're going to pay tribute to Judy Graft, who has uh, sadly passed away. We're going to tell you about her a lot of time on Pete and Pete. Uh, Jack and Daxter is uh, celebrating its uh, 20th anniversary. We'll tell you about that. Uh, we've got some news in regards to Nintendo Switch and potentially two PlayStation exclusives that could appear on the console next year. We've also got some PlayStation news in regards to their uh, platform and taking on the Xbox Game Pass. Uh, we're going to tell you about uh, some ca- recently revealed screenshots of the cancelled Rayman four games. I'm going to tell you about that too. Uh, we've got some Activision Blizzard news in regards to them not having a role at the Game Awards 2021. And Jessica Gonzalez is out. Uh, she was the one who started the protest over there, and now she is gone. And for all, and finally, we're going to tell you about the oddest book title. And believe me, everybody, this is an odd one. You are oh. listening to Aaron and Patricia on the 5th of December of 2021. So, um, Patricia, I mean, are you looking back at this year in regards to Old School Lane? And uh, yes. also, no doubt you're looking forward to the 10-year anniversary of the network. So uh... Yes, I am. So yesterday, uh, well, technically, yeah, yesterday, because I wanted to post this on Saturday, uh, Friday, because, um, you know, I was trying to rush in because Saturday was going to be a really busy day for me. So I have posted up what have been considered to be my favorite episodes of casual chat. So um, I looked back on all the episodes that I've done over the past almost 10 years. I mean, because uh, old school and casual chats will be celebrating its 10th anniversary next year. So I was looking back on the uh, things that I've done over the past 10 years. And five years ago, 
I did a list of my favorite podcasts, my favorite blog interviews, my favorite blog articles, my favorite videos, and my favorite podcast interviews. And I thought, wow, I've done a lot in that in those five years since then. So I decided I'm going to just look back and talk about all the things that I've ever um, done and decide, okay, which one were the ones that I felt were the best, which ones that I felt that I was the most satisfied with. And so I looked back on it and yeah, I discussed about some of them. I mean, I went in chronological order. So I would say like the first good one that I felt was that I was really proud of was like my Pete and Pete one, which I did back in November, 2013, which was when old school lane was about a year old, almost a year old. And, um, I felt that, um, you know, even though that my early ones, I mean, even though that there were topics that I love, like dinosaurs and and Batman and all that stuff, I felt that the, the audio was terrible. I mean, I was working with like really old technology. I had an old computer. I had a $20 microphone slash webcam. And I didn't exactly have like the best in terms of like um, te- technology and equipment. So um, but nonetheless, that one I felt really proud of because as you guys know, Pete and Pete is my favorite live action show of all time when it comes to Nickelodeon, but we'll talk about that when we talk about Judy Grafe. So yeah, I felt that that one was one that I felt, okay, I can still look back on this fondly as opposed to like cringe, like, you know, the early episodes of my podcast. And then if we continue all the way down, uh, you know, throughout the timeline, there's other things that I was, uh, you know, looking back fondly and saying, yeah, I did. I had a great time doing this. Uh, there was the Sonic the Hedgehog podcast that Kevin and I did with Tom, uh, which we do, we still talk about Sonic to this day. There was the Avatar The Last Airbender podcast, which um I, I you know, even still to this day has like the most amount of people on a podcast. It was 10 of us. And we were looking back on the show's 10th anniversary. And then there was like others like Metroid and the Amblimation trilogy, the Disney Renaissance films, and um you have uh the uh discussion on the Pokemon movies and OVAs and anime and Land Before Time franchise and uh various others. So yeah, if you are interested in taking Taking a look at my list, it is oldschoollane.net. So you are um, going to be seeing more lists coming up. So next week, I'm going to be talking about what have been my favorite podcast interviews. But in the meanwhile, enjoy the podcast of casual chats that I've enjoyed talking about the most. Yeah, I think uh, my most favorite ones are the ones that actually start my co-hosting them. So, uh, (laughs) I mean, yeah, that's all of them. But I know that from what I remember when we did it together, your favorite podcast that we've done together was um, the Father Ted and the Faulty Towers podcast, if I remember. Enough, actually, uh, you know, you and I were talking about this before. Actually, my favorite, uh, you know, podcast still is that one that we talked about, Hey Arnold, and like when we when we met for the first time. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. Uh, Our interview together um, back in 2016. So, yeah, that one is a very special one to me as well. Yeah. And uh, I have to say, everybody, like, uh, if it wasn't for Old School Lane, I wouldn't have met my sweetheart right here. So Yeah, well, if it wasn't for the Aaron Metta show, I wouldn't have met my sweetheart. Yeah. I think we have to thank Fan Craig, though. I think Craig is probably the, the, the Yeah, we, need, we definitely need to thank Craig because, you know, he was, I guess he was the one who partially, you know, got us together. Yeah. Well, if there was no Hey Arnold, you know, you and I would have never met. And, that's uh, true. Yeah. You're who knows what the Aaron Metta right. show would have been. So, like, uh, yeah. So, yeah, yeah we, de- we definitely need to thank Craig for this. I mean, he was, yeah, he was really responsible for us meeting yeah mm-hmm. 
Okay, everybody. Well, in regards to the Iron Matter show, there's, I mean, there's not really much news. I mean, it's just this, uh, one thing I want to do is eventually I want to sort some of the studios out because here I am in the, in the gaming studio pretty much in regards to like where I should be doing our own plays, but, you know, I just had no time to go and do anything. Also, you'll notice that I look to the side rather than look at the camera and look at you. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually, you know, you can't because we're on audio, but usually when we do this on a camera, like, uh, I'm usually looking to the side because I'm looking at all the screen, like past that, I'm actually not looking directly at uh, Patricia, so I think uh, my whole thing right now is just kind of fixing all the technical issues that currently mm -hmm. going right now. So uh, that's the Aramis show at the moment. But uh, yes, you know, we, we if we got once we got some announcements going, we'll we'll definitely announce them. So mm -hmm. absolutely, yes. Okay. All right, then, let's move on to our top story. And uh, so Tumblr, we haven't really talked about all that much. And so my, I mean, before we get into, like, the news itself, I mean, like, uh, I've never really kind of opened up about, like, how I feel about Tumblr because it's where I, you know, take questions from, like, you know, my show and everything like that. But uh, in regards to, like, the the the, uh, the platform, I always seem to find that uh, it seems to be a, a concentration of, like, all the fandoms kind of put together. And uh, it's a lot more kind of open-minded, I guess you could say, as a, as a social media platform, because uh, obviously there's, uh, um, you know, Black Lives Matter twin trends there constantly. And, uh, you know, every time I go through there, it's always like uh, people posting fan art, people posting their fan fictions, people posting, uh, you know, uh, what they're really you know passionate about. And uh, that always seems to be kind of the way that uh, Tumblr seems to uh, kind of be for me, myself. And uh, I would ask Patricia what uh, her thoughts on Tumblr are, but she's kind of like uh, kind of disappeared. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I would say... Um... <laughs> Um, Tumblr is actually where I first started Old School Lane, believe it or not. Oh, really? I never knew that. Yeah. Um, but here's the thing. I didn't know what Tumblr was. I thought it was like another place to post blogs. Mm -hmm. well, so, it, was kind of, it was kind of like a microblogging website when it first started off. Yeah. And, uh, so it was, I thought it was, that's, that's, that's exactly what I use it for. Just microblogging. That's where I posted my, my, my earliest stuff and uh, stuff that you will not see on the Old School Lane blog, even still to this day. Mm -hmm. It's actually the starting point of where... Um, I kind of like got my first big hit. So back around New Year's Eve of 2011, this was like a few days after I started, um, I was going through a massive kick uh, looking back on a lot of Paul Rubens' work on Pee Wee Herman because he was having his big comeback at the time. I had just recently saw Pee Wee Herman on Broadway, and this was when I saw him on TV everywhere. And so I had decided to write down, okay, what have been like the top... 10 Huey Herman moments of 2011. And so I just posted it on his, I just posted it on the blog. And then apparently his agent messaged me saying, we saw your, we saw your Tumblr post. Huey Herman himself tweeted it on his Tumblr and his Twitter account. And my thing got big, like really, really big. <laughs> I had never experienced that in my life. In fact, even still to this day, I mean, I actually have it right here and I know that you guys can't see it and I'm sorry. But uh, I did, um, I mean, I, I don't want to take, you know, give him credit, but you know how Doug Walker actually um, got a tweet or something like um, that he hung up of um, Roger Ebert, you know, posting his like, um, you know, saying that he liked the video that he, they, did, that they did on uh, Siskel and Ebert. Well, I have this. This is Pee Wee Herman's tweet where he said, thank you for sharing your year in review. <laughs> and I actually got him to autograph it. Oh, wow. We're going to frame that somewhere. Yes. Keep all it's, of that. It, it's, it's, on, it's on my desk right now. But this is like, 
I mean, next to my picture of Mark Summers, this is like my most prized possession of all the stuff that I've ever done at Old School Lake is this. This is where it all started for me. So if it wow. wasn't for this, I wouldn't have continued on with Old School Lane. Well, is, by the way, is that an A4-sized uh, size picture? Sorry. Yeah, uh, it, it's an 8 it's an eight and 11 picture, uh, you know, thing that I just printed. So it's 8 by 11. So yeah, 8 by I can 11. Actually, oh, okay. Then, yeah, yeah, I can oh. actually, yeah, it, it's just a regular piece of paper that I just printed on um, this particular tweet and I just enhanced the size. Okay, so I'll keep, I'll keep that in mind, 8 by 11. Okay. Yeah. So, cool. yeah, this, uh, so yeah, like you have to, you have to thank, I guess I could also partially thank Paul for, you know, giving me my major kick up in old school lane. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is where it all started. Cool. Okay, so um, that's our views on Tumblr, I guess you could say. So uh, it's basically got pretty big on it, and uh, I just became. Yeah, well, I mean, it. it only lasted briefly because then Tumblr went in a direction around 2012 that I was like, they were posting a lot of pictures, and I'm like, but I'm not an artist, and so I felt kind of like out of place when I was just posting up my blog posts, and so then I moved over to Blogspot, and that's where I stayed, and that's where I pretty much stood ever since. I want to move over to another website. I mean. I'm Aaron and I have been talking about this, but yeah, I'm definitely thinking about like, you know, moving old school lane somewhere else. But yeah, I mean, uh, Tumblr, you know, when, when I was there for a brief time, I really enjoyed it. And even, um, you know, with Fred Seibert, I mean, we even talked about this, that, um, you know, one of the people who um, was working on Frederator for a bit, he was the founder of Tumblr. So uh, yeah, and even asked me, hey, why don't you use your Tumblr very often? I just told him, well, it was going in a direction that I didn't really gravitate to and you know a lot of people are just posting their art and i'm nowhere near an artist so i just couldn't do it and i I guess in a way i'm kind of glad i left because then tumblr just went in a direction that i just really wasn't like caring for to be quite i still hang around from time to time you know obviously as everyone knows but uh, anyway, so that, uh, Tumblr, though, still has some significance, I think, on the internet. I think we can... Yes, it does, yeah. Saying, in regards uh, to, like, I, I, think, I, I, do, I do see that from time to time. I yeah. find it is more a concentrated fandom than I do, like, you know, the, the wider world, if you will. So, sure. But uh, I think... Uh, so, with that being said, um, Tumblr decided to give its top 100 shows... On, yes, and I actually have that. the list with me right here. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, I wanted to concentrate on the Disney ones, because the Disney ones are interesting. Uh, so yeah, thought... and we'll talk about some of the other ones as well. But Disney is the one that I that we really wanted to focus on the most. Okay, so I've got the top ten here of all the Disney animated shows that we currently mm-hmm. got here at the moment, and you know yeah. this is a very broad list. I think we have to say, but this is the top ten. So yeah. the the results I have to say are very surprising. So Patricia, shall I start and uh, we'll give give our thoughts? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Okay, number ten in this list. Is Star versus the Forces of Evil that's currently ranked at number ten, but ranked ninety-two overall? Yeah, so I guess it does make a lot of sense because Star versus the Forces of Evil, um, it ended just like a few years ago, but the fandom is still really, really strong. I mean, I do see a lot of fan art of Star versus from time to time, so that does make a lot of sense. Mooring Mark still does comics of it. Yes, he does. Yes. Yeah, even though he's concentrating on like all uh, you know, Owl House and uh, other stuff. Yeah, he also did Gravity Falls when it, when that first came out, but now he's currently doing Owl House and Star Versus. Yeah, but keep this in mind. Like, I mean, how long ago was it when Star Versus the Forces of Evil went, went, you know, ended its run? It came out. Um, it came. Okay, I know it came out like around twenty twenty. 
17, I think. And then I think it ended like just. Yeah, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of stuff. This is the positive evil fans are going to be pretty angry about this. I think we'll, I think we'll be the hand that. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Go, go so um, it's, its original release was in January 8th, sorry, January 18th of 2015, and its run ended in May 19th, 2019. So it wasn't too long ago, actually. Oh, okay. So it was 29, 20. I thought it ended uh, sooner than that. Like, uh, I mean, I remember that, the, so. I remember seeing the commercials of it a lot. And I remember that a lot of people were like really gravitating towards the characters and, you know, kind of like, um, you know, Sailor Moon-esque story where you have like this magical girl and she, you know, goes into Earth and then she has like, um, you know, her friend go over to her magical world. So, yeah, it, it I remember a lot of people were like really gravitating to it. Um, Although from what I've heard, and this is from my friend Chris, where he was a huge fan of it as well but he really was disappointed with the ending but i have not seen the show but you know i generally am curious on how it's going to go and you know maybe i'll put that on the list of like the, the shows that i really need to marathon through i mean Aaron and i had just finished gravity falls together and mm -hmm. now we need to finish watching amphibia together because we were going to do um you know watching uh season three together yeah, and I want to watch stuff as the forces of evil as well because I can't. I've scanned yes, for a I few episodes. I've scanned for like for some like the main episode, so I know what it's like about. But I've never like you know gone through the whole way through. Yeah, so, neither have I. Now that I've got Disney Plus, I actually need to do that. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Number nine is Phineas and Ferb. Uh, over, well, ranked overall eightieth. Yes, that does make a lot of sense because even though that Phineas and Ferb ended a few years ago, it technically has never left because Milo's Murphy Law was their second show that Dan Poppenmeyer and Jeff Swampy Marsh created, but it did feature a lot of Phineas and Ferb characters like Dolphin, uh, Dr. Doofenshmirtz. And then, as you remember, last year was Candace Against the Universe. That was their latest Phineas and Ferb movie, which, by the way, I know for a lot of my fans are disappointed that I have not been able to talk about it because um, I put up a poll of what, were the what was the one movie from 2020 that you wanted me to talk about? And Phineas and Ferb, uh, Candace Against the Universe, won by a landslide. And I will talk about it, I promise. And Ooh, same with have, you seen, uh, have you seen Inside the Magic recently? Um, yes. They, they, yes recently, they recently put up an article saying, did Marvel steal the Avengers battle theme from Phineas and Ferb? I know. And Dan Pavenmeyer on his um, Twitter account actually did a discussion about like, you know, here's the story. Here's the story about these group of heroes in a city. And there's this portal that's open with a bunch of robots that are coming down. It's like, oh, wait a minute. That's not the Avengers. That's Phineas and Ferb, the second dimension. <laughs> so it's like, oh, you know, we did this earlier Marvel. So, yeah, he was. You know, well, maybe may maybe Disney animation should pay them back and maybe like, uh, you know, maybe in the final of like uh, episode like Amphibia, like, you know, all the all the people get together like uh, i mean i would love that actually like you know just in one of the finales like whether it's the owl house or whether it's like amphibia or whether it's uh you know uh you know whatever show like you know like all the heroes just kind of like get together and just fight this villain you know like uh, it would, it <laughs> that would, would be it pretty would, awesome I would it would be that. pretty awesome spectacle to see like, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yes. You know, it was all the Gravity Falls robot, like, you know, that just comes out of the portal and, like, you know. Yes, yes, yes. I, I would love to see a massive battle with, like, you have uh, Dr. Doofenshmirtz, you have Emperor Bellows, you have Bill Cipher, you have, uh, I'm not sure who the villain of um, Amphibia is, but I'm sure we'll find that out when that no, happens. So, uh, yeah. 
So yeah, I want all of the villains to come together and then all of the heroes to come together and then just like have this big climactic battle. I mean, I'm, I know I'm that that was will... thinking though, because like I mean, the 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 out of the lot of them, I mean, I, 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 we've not gone through all the Owl House yet, and I, we're not going through Amphibia yet. But I think Bill Scythe is probably like you know the you you think would probably be the final boss out of a lot of them. I mean, it does make a lot of sense because he does have a major connection with all the dimensions. So that would make a lot of sense of how he would kind of like be the big climactic bad guy that you would fight against. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, number eight. And, uh, you know, Patricia, we will probably argue to the death if this was like, you know, just off the 90s. If uh, this was ranked at number eight in anything, but number, mm -hmm. but given what's happened right now with uh, this particular show, with all the latest episodes and like the, uh, the the zombification of the series, I think maybe at this point we shouldn't be too surprised. Number eight in this list is The Simpsons, but this is not just the worst part of it. Though it's mm -hmm. ranked seventy third out of the whole lot. Okay, now here's the thing, and. I, I want to let you guys know this. Now, I have been hearing a lot of people praising new season, the, this new season of The Simpsons. I, I know it's crazy to say, but there's, um, there's a particular writer that's working on The Simpsons right now that has changed the direction of where The Simpsons is going and has gotten a lot of people like praising and talking about it. They're saying that, you know, it, he's connecting like newer storylines focusing on like characters from like previous seasons and are coming together. Like you remember that one episode from way back when Mo had a girlfriend and, you know, for some reason they like fell apart. Well, now they're back. And also Smithers has a new relationship with somebody that's not Mr. Burns and um, you know, the characters are starting to act like their regular selves. So, yeah, a, 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 potentially they're saying that, you know, The Simpsons is making its major comeback again. And I don't know who the name of the writer is. I mean, I haven't seen The Simpsons in a while, but I've been hearing a lot of people praising of what the new direction is going. So okay. I'm genuinely curious of watching it again. And even my friend Matthew, when um, I had hmm. Mike Reese on the show talking about his Simpsons book, and he was saying like, you know, the, the newer seasons are going in a great direction. And so I know that The Simpsons has been going on for a long time. I get it. It's become zombie TV because it's been going on for over 30 plus years i get it but you know from what i've been hearing you know the direction has definitely gone in the right direction and also the fact that because it's on disney plus now a lot of people are catching up with classic episodes of the simpsons and they're saying oh wow you know these episodes of the simpsons where you know people like praise like um you know, even like, um, well, you know, I think the there's also the fact that we've complained, you know, such a long time. And the fact that there's even videos of like, you know, the day the Simpsons died and like, you know, yeah, yeah, I've, like I've, I've there's heard been about so those, much. Yes. There's, there's been so much about people saying, you know, just cancel the Simpsons already and just be done with it. And uh, you yeah, know, I, I know, I know. But, you know, it, it's, uh, you know, when, it, when you're talking about like, you know, in the industry, as long as people are watching it, people are still going to like, you know, have more seasons coming out, and that's just how it is. On you know, yeah, in this case, the merchandise as well. But I mean, like, uh, I don't know. Like, I just feel like as as I think I'm one of the viewers that The Simpsons has lost. I think I don't see myself coming back anytime soon. 
that's perfectly think. fine. I, I mean, I, the last news. There's, there's a problem though, Patricia, because like uh, it's okay to say that. Oh, hey, the, you know, the Simpsons are going back in this new direction. But I mean, like, uh, how long have we had this other direction that we've had for a while, where the the Simpsons is just being there for the sake of just being there, and now before before when it was like the most anti-establishment sort of show, and like it was the show that was really biting back against you know the uh, the, the the happy-go-lucky family that would just kind of like you know that the American way is the best way and here's the Simpsons challenging all of that challenging those concepts and then ended up becoming the concept itself like uh, right. I think for a lot of people who will be looking for more you know radical I mean it's kind of the same with what's going on with Rick and Morty right now like uh, you know the fact that they ended up in Space Jam and you, you know a rotten legacy like uh, you know that that now is like starting to leave people with a bad taste in them. I was like, oh my goodness, now they're like they're exactly part of like what the what the problem is with uh, with you know ho- you know with with cartoons in general and like uh, and things like that. Like I just think that uh, for all those people, I think who have become turned off and have now jumped either jumped into other fandoms or have gone off and done something else entirely. You know, like uh, it's a lot of like you know the the WWE right now. Like a lot of people who like grew up with wrestling and then now see what wrestling is today and decide, you know, this is ridiculous. I'm not going to go back to this at any stretch of the imagination. I think there's going to be some people who are just, unfortunately, they are not going to come back. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think there might, it's, it's a good thing if they want to, like, get Ghana to a new audience and uh, sure. they can get some new viewers. I mean, obviously, that's going to be a good thing, I think, in the short term. But if they think they're going to get to some kind of, like, back to the, some kind of, like, glory days of, like, you know, back in the, like, the early 90s to, like, you know, up to up until the late 90s, up until, you know, who shot Mr. Burns, you know, like, if they think they're going to go back to those people, I think, I think they're, I think they're deluding themselves. I don't think they're going to get those people back. Well, I mean, I don't think that that was their plan to begin with, to be well, quite yeah. honest. So, I mean, you know, back in the day, if The Simpsons was ranked number eight, let alone 73rd in a list, I think people would debate you to the death. But the thing is, is there now. I think uh, you know, if, if there is this new direction that they're going in, they've got a lot of work to do. You know. Well, I mean, I from what I've heard, they seem to be going on the right track. But again, I haven't seen it yet. I've just only been hearing from a lot of um, people who watch The Simpsons talking about it. Now, I follow a lot of podcasts who, well, I mean, I follow a lot of people who do podcasts on The Simpsons. I mean, there's like over 12 Simpsons podcasts. It's not even funny. And one in particular is Talking Simpsons, which. Um, they talk about every single episode of The Simpsons, and they also have special guests talking about, um, you know, why these special uh, these episodes are very special. And they even do our, our, their own separate podcast called What a Cartoon, in which like they watch one episode of a of an animated series, or they watch one movie, and then they talk about it. And they even have special guests on that too. So, um, yeah, I've seen them talking about that. Um, you know, they, they feel that the Simpsons is going in a new direction and you know what, I mean, good for them. You know, they're, they're more of an expert than I will ever be. So, um, if this show is going in a new, new direction and if they're happy with it, then I cannot say anything negative about it, but yeah, I'm just gonna, I mean, I'm happy that, uh, the Simpsons is, you know, gravitating to people who are still enjoying it and I'm happy for them. And, you know, again, until I watch it myself, I'm not going to really say too much on the matter. Well, let's, but, see yeah, I'm... well let's see where we are back in December, 2022. And then, uh, sure. think, well, you know, let's see if this works or not. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, we got to move on with this list. Um, number seven in this list and ranks the 43rd, uh, overall is Marvel studios. What if, 
Okay, I now I as you guys know, I go to school and I am with a lot of the communication students, a lot of them who are film and television majors, and a lot of them are huge Marvel fans. And they absolutely love anything that Disney Plus has been posting up with with regards to Marvel stuff. They watch WandaVision, which WandaVision is on the list, by the way. Uh, they've watched Loki, they've watched um uh, you know, they've watched Daredevil and uh, recently the What If series has really gravitated to a lot of people. So uh, for those who don't know, the What If series, as you guys know, Marvel has gone through a lot of stuff. And now the questions are barking about like, you know, what if this moment happened? You know, what if, um, you know, Thanos wasn't successful in this? Or, you know, what if Thor didn't do this? What if Loki didn't do this? What if Iron Man didn't do this? So yeah, basically it would play off into these situations about like, what if these moments from the Marvel Cinematic Universe universe did or did not happen and a lot of people have really praised it so i've like, i haven't uh, seen it like, yet like, and I, I think i think we need to stop if we get to the point where it's kind of like what if the avengers didn't go to that place to go get something to be what if they went to burger king instead you know? yeah you know? instead of getting <laughs> shawarmas what if they got big macs yes <laughs> i think we all gonna get that point i think that's when what if i think yeah you guys you're kind of running out of ideas but um, yeah. <laughs> yeah well you know like uh, yeah what if i think mind you i hope they don't just restrict it to marvel like i would like to see what if like you know uh what if they do like a series of, like you know some of these animated shows like you know uh what if uh you know uh you know dipper and uh you know uh mabel didn't go to gravity falls like what if they did something oh. else you know like okay or what, yeah that, or what if a good like one. what if the pine what if the pine brothers didn't split up like you know what if they stayed together and did actually go on that trip yeah other situations yeah i can I mean i can think about this for a lot of shows like you know even with like the owl house like um you know what if um you know, what if Emperor Bellos was successful in taking over everything? Or um, what if um, Amity didn't allow Hunter to grab the key? Or um, what if Luz didn't accept Amity to go over to Grom or something like that? Yeah, you know, like uh, what if uh, what if Luz met Emperor Bellos first? Like, oh, know, that's that's actually a good one. What if when she landed, what if she met Emperor Bellos first or whether she met Lilith first mm. or um, you know, maybe, you know, what if um, it was this, I, I think I've seen like an alternative universe about like, um, you know, if Amity was the human and if Luce was the witch, it's like, you know, how would that have turned out? I mean, yeah. I don't know. But like, well, they're doing, they're doing like alternatives as well of like, uh, what was his face? Like, uh, yeah, what, it, I mean, mind you, we might still get that. Like, you know, maybe at the end of season two and uh, I mean, I'm just, this is just a random prediction. Like maybe we might get that where, you know, Luce finally gets home, but then Amity kind of like falls in with her and then they're kind of stuck in the earth realm. And then, you know, maybe the next couple of specials ends up being kind of like Amity having to kind of adapt to being, you know, in the human world and trying to get behind a yeah. Back, to, back to the boiling aisles or know? you know maybe like with Ida like what if Ida never got the curse mm -hmm. that would yeah. that would have been really interesting or maybe what if Lilith got the curse instead like maybe it backfired on her yeah like uh, what if what if Arnold's parents never left you know, like, oh uh, yes what if Arnold's, <laughs> uh, what if Arnold's parents will never left what if Helga was the praised child and Olga was the like you know mistake exactly what ifs like you know could be its own kind of sub could be its own genre in itself and create a whole new, new spin on shows yeah like, uh, like um yeah i mean some of the episodes that i'm seeing right here was like uh what if captain carter was the first avenger that's the first episode if i was what actually, if you think about it like maybe we're seeing a what if right now like what if the simpsons didn't suck <laughs> 
okay. I'm not going there, but I get what you're saying. Uh, what if T'Challa became Star-Lord? Uh, what if Killmonger rescued Tony Stark? What if Ultron would have won? What if Thor were an only child and never had Loki? So, yeah, I mean, all of these things sound really, really interesting, especially if you have been following the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So, yeah, you're right. I mean, I would love to see it, like, you know, go over to other places. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, number six in the list is uh, Star Wars The Clone Wars, and it's 32 overall. Okay, so as you guys know, Star Wars The Clone Wars was an animated series that came out in Cartoon Network around 2006-2007. So it had the, um, now not to be confused with Star Wars Clone Wars, that is not a TV series. It was a series of shorts that lasted for about a few minutes, and they were done by Gendy Tartakovsky. So, um, yeah, Star Wars The Clone Wars was a CGI animated series, and it was the bridge point between Episode 2 and Episode 3. So it focuses on Anakin Skywalker, and he is um, training off his apprentice, Axosa, and uh, basically it follows into the story about, like, the Clone Wars, as we saw in Episode 2. So... The show got canceled after like its seventh season and um, a lot of people have been wanting to see the final season for a long time until we got it last year or the year before on Disney Plus. And now the final season is completely done. Like Star Wars, The Clone Wars is finished and now they're satisfied that they were able to finally get closure after almost a decade of no closure whatsoever. Yeah. Um, uh, number five in this list uh, is a show we actually already kind of brushed on. It's uh, Gravity Falls, and it's also 31 in the overall list. Yeah, so I guess you could say that kind of like how Adventure Time was able to take Cartoon Network in its golden age for like the 2010s, a lot of people can say that Gravity Falls did a very similar thing as well. So uh, Gravity Falls, created by Alex Hirsch, it was able to bring a lot of mystery and lore and humor and very interesting directions of what a Disney animated show would later become in the next decade. So, yeah. But, but give, give this in mind, Patricia, like, I mean, like this show ended five years ago and it's still yes, it making did. lists. Yeah, I mean, that's because um, there's still a lot of people out there who want a season three. There's still a lot of people out there that want to see the continuation of the story. Let's brush on that, shall we? Because there is rumors going around that is being being discussed. Yes, um, even though that I know Alex Hirsch is currently working on an animated series on Netflix, and I know that he has been at least a creative consultant on a lot of the Disney Channel shows, or at least has done his voice for them, like Big City Greens, Amphibia, The Owl House, and just recently Inside Job. And Mm -hmm. so uh, even Mitchell's versus the machines, you know, he's been a creative consultant on and Michael Rianda, who was one of the main writers and directors on Gravity Falls. He did that movie. So, yeah, I mean, the fact that that there are still people out there that are still wanting to see more Gravity Falls just shows you about how much of a show that that made in animation. Maybe we should quickly brush on Mitchell's versus the machines just a little bit like. uh, Sure. I mean, do you read into the fact that it beats Encanto in the New York Critics Awards? I don't know if you heard about that. I've heard about that. And it kind of reminds me of like uh, Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse winning off against uh, Wreck-It Ralph Breaks the Internet. So it's like, you know, you have this big surprise that came out out of nowhere and it took down a major company like Disney. So, I mean, we, you know, Mitchell's versus the Machines was the film that a lot of people wanted me to talk about in 2021. And I promise I'll talk about it. And please stop messaging me. Yeah, we, but, we, eventually, I mean, we have to get to it in, in, at some point because, like, this is the movie that went through production hell and came out, you know, smelling like fresh roses on the other side. No production yeah. does that. 
Like it, it really. It's very. It, it, I mean, to hear. To be fair, it's very rare. Yes, but it's not uncommon that this would be like a major success. I mean, like yeah. uh, for example, one I can, uh, the only one I can I can compare it to is probably like when Ratatouille was on the ropes. Like, you know, like, sure. and then Brad Bird took it over and, you know, steady the ship. And then it became like one of, you know, Pixar's greats. So, yeah, like, yeah. I mean, Mitchell versus the Machines has been through, it's been through the grinder and it's just come back, back on through on the other side. And actually, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's, 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 it's done really well for itself. And so, yeah, sure. But now there's, t- I mean, I don't know. The, 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 the New York Critics Awards is a highly different scenario compared to the Oscars. And yeah. uh, because with the Oscars, you've got far more people involved in this whole process. So I'm not expecting, you know, I'm still expecting Encanto to probably win. I think at this point, like uh, Encanto is just like, it's just broken so many barriers in regards to like, uh, you know, uh, and so many things. So I'm expecting Encanto to at least, you know, take take home an Oscar at least. But Possibly, um, yeah. I don't expect Mitchell's versus the machines to kind of like, you know, walk away with it, I don't think. But that's just me. So um, I, I mean, that's fair. I mean, you, you never know what could be the the outset of this. I mean, it, you know, you're right. I mean, it Canto could have win um, the Oscars or maybe Mitchell's versus the Machines could have won. Well, or maybe neither Mitchell's of them versus the Machines beats Encanto in the New York Critics. I, I'm talking about the Oscars. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But the fact but, you know, the, the one I'm trying to get at is I think just because it's one it's beaten Encanto in the New York Critics. So what doesn't mean is, you know, it's going to pave the way to the Oscars like the Golden Globes sort of thing will probably give a better idea of what's going to be getting an Oscar more than the, you know, the, the critics. Sure, sure. And I know that they um, that Alex Hirsch moderated a panel on Mitchell's versus the machines yesterday and discussed about like you know the the makings of the film and you know the fact that you know the film has gotten like critical praise from a lot of people so yeah I'm really happy of um you know Alex you know doing a lot of these uh, great works after Gravity Falls and the fact that people are still wanting Gravity Falls to come back that just goes to show you that you know people are just demanding for it yeah but it's not only that like uh, no doubt they want him to create something else too like you know he's doing such a great job yeah he is, he is creating something else he's doing something for Netflix but well, I think it? they just yeah, want to exactly. see more Gravity Falls no they want they want him on the Disney team no doubt like, yes you know, they, like, they uh, want him they still everyone want him has a Disney, Disney Plus subscription Patricia not a Netflix subscription well, it's not like, <laughs> yeah, yeah so, well, well yeah yeah, let's keep going. Um, number four in this list is uh, Star Wars: The Bad Batch, ranks thirtieth overall. Okay, I have heard about the Bad Batch. So, I mean, it's about the Bad Batch for Star Wars. I mean, that's pretty much just you know not much to say about it. And I've I have heard a lot of people praising this, by the way. Mm-hmm. And if you know, very, I mean, here's the thing: like, I mean, Star Wars animated series, it's I'm joking. A lot of Star Wars animated series have actually been just as praised as much as the movies. And I'm just glad to see that even with, um, you know, the Bad Batch, which has gotten a lot of praise, um, you know, is on the list. I mean, The Mandalorian is also on the list as well on this uh, this Tumblr page. I think from what I know... It really surprises, though, that the series are getting, you know, even better praise than, like, you know, the prequels or, like, you know, the... uh, The sequels? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, and because... that's not. I mean, that's not too surprising. I mean, like, even though that the prequels have been bashed by a lot of people, but a lot of people can say, well, at least Star Wars: The Clone Wars was really good. Exactly, and I know yeah. that people have some well, issues think, with this. I think the limitations, I think, are there to be seen because, I mean, with a series, I mean, what you got like twenty episodes to play with in like to yeah. expand the Star Wars lore. You don't get mm-hmm. that in a movie. Like, you know, like a, how many? Say, for example, like every episode is like twenty-two minutes long. So when you do the math. It's like it's like 440 minutes that you can play you can play with in regards to yeah. like you know uh, well it's over that that you can do to put to put a story together you can't do that in like you know two hours or three hours worth of movie. 
Sure, sure. But I mean, it also is a combination of like really good writing. So, I mean, even with like an animated series, you can sometimes still go in a bad direction. Yeah, like yeah. So, um, moving on, um, number three in this list is uh, no surprise to me, Ducktales, and this is the modern Doctor Ducktales, um, and it's twenty eighth overall. Yeah, the the this one is what's considered to be like one of the greatest remo- uh, rebate, uh, remakes reboots. ever done. <laughs> yeah, reboots, remakes. <laughs> I mean, what, what what is it by the way? Is it a reboot or is it a remake? I'm not sure because I know that there's a difference between the two. Uh, but yeah, I think, well, I think it will be. I mean, one reboots and remakes are kind of the same like, when you really think about it. Like, I guess that's true. So I'll, I'll just yeah. call it a reboot for now. But yeah, um, it's considered to be one of the greatest reboots of all time. I mean, you're you're talking about like one of the most iconic animated films. Uh, you know, a series of the eighties and you're talking about like um, the catalyst of what would be the, the Disney afternoon block. I mean, this is, I mean, you know, this and gummy bears is where it all started. So you, I mean, you, you would think that, okay, a lot of people have like remade these. It's like a lot of people would be complaining, ah, but we don't need this. We already have the original. Why, why touch something that's already good? Well, they made it better. They exactly. made it so much better. Actually. They made it meta too, which is like, uh, so you know, like I think the Rescue Rangers are like a, a, a yes, a the Rescue Rangers there. was on there. Darkwing Duck was in there. Exactly, Goofy yeah. was in there. Tailspin was in there. And soon, we're gonna get, from what I understand, we're going to get a Darkwing Duck series too out of this. Yes, so we're going like, to get a Darkwing uh, Duck series thanks to Tail. Uh, to thanks to uh, Duck. I, I think there's also talk about Rescue Rangers as well. So making it yes, they are. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. You know, DuckTales has actually been a pretty good vehicle to, like, you know, move on all these other shows that people really remember and really do, you know, uh, have love. I mean, if they're going to be as good as DuckTales, then it makes all sense to make them. Yeah, I mean, they were able to make massive improvements on the characters. Like, let's be honest, Hugh and Dewey and Louie, they were just three of the same characters. I mean, I know that they're triplets, I get it, but they didn't have, like, their own distinct personalities. But in the newer version, they do. And also Webby, Webby was a massive improvement because most people hated Webby when the original was on. It's like, she's just the girl who's just in the way. It's like, who cares about her? But no, they were able to drastically change Webby into this really intelligent girl. And also there was that scene when uh, they put, uh, you know, the meter into like a penguin, but it kind of like uh, got kind of prescribed like her being in blackface or something like that. Like, you know, you remember that that episode or not mm, like yeah, a, yeah. So, I, I've, like, I've heard about that yeah the, the webby in multiple ways has not gone down well with the fandom but now they found a way to bring it back so. exactly which is unbelievable to say the least they were able to make major changes to like um donald where he becomes a major character now because remember in the original he just dropped off huey dewey and louie while he went off to the navy and we never see him and uh, they did a new take on Scrooge McDuck, which was really interesting. They did a new take on all the villains as well. Um, they were able to introduce Delia into the limelight, which was their mother, which we've never even seen before. We didn't even know about the fact that, wait, they have a mom? So they were able to introduce her in a really, really cool that, way. That, that was like one of the praises of like the first episode. Like uh, they intro- you know, they actually went to places they thought people thought they would never go. And yeah. it's kind of like, you know, and like everyone was like, oh, you know, they're going to they're going to go there now. It's like, you know, we've never been mm-hmm. there with DuckTales. It's like, wow. You know, like uh, yeah, exactly. it, it, the, the first episode actually leaves, you know, unlike some other shows, like the, the first episode of DuckTales leaves a very, very good impression. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and, you know, it, it lasted for three seasons. It ended, I believe, last year. So um, a lot of people just absolutely 
think that it's even better than the original, which is not something that you can say lightly, considering that the original has... We would probably have to... You know what I'd love to do? I mean, it's going to be difficult at the moment, but I'd love to get some... I mean, obviously, you and I grew up with the original DuckTales, but... Um, My friend, that long-haired, creepy guy, marathoned through every single episode of the original DuckTales. Well, no, no, no. no. One thing I would like to do, and I don't know if it's going to be possible or not, but I think it's going to be a good couple of years. I would like to grab somebody who lived pretty much through the original run of DuckTales, like, you know, watched it actually on TV during the Disney afternoon, went through like all that whole shebang, and then talk to somebody who watched the modern, grew up with the modern version of DuckTales, and then basically have them duke it out and see like, you know, uh, you know, so yeah, I think one thing I, I'm doing, I mean, people like talk about reboot culture and like talk about like, you know, oh, we've run out of ideas, so we're going to do that. But, you know, I would actually like to, it is going to give some interesting perspectives in the future. Like, you know, you're going to have like, you know, you know, the future, like 20 somethings and the future, like, you know, 40, 50 somethings kind of like having these like debates like, you know, well, you know, the original show was a lot better for this reason. And then you got like all the young and saying, oh, well, this, the, the reboot show is better for these reasons reasons hmm. and so like uh, they're going to be interesting discussions that would be week. really interesting i'm sure that there's a podcast of it somewhere but i would love to see that well there won't be yet because you know like keep in mind like the people who probably grew up with it probably still like in their high school years that's very true yeah they're still pretty young yeah, yeah like you know it's gonna be a good decade i think before we start having those types of podcasts i don't think sure mm-hmm. sure but yeah i mean ducktales still made a major impact on um you know the fandom and i think that you know th- this just goes to show you that hey you know people People are still praising it. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, you've seen this list, haven't you? So I think there's no point asking. Yes. You know, who do you think number one and number two is? We'll just go through them anyway. Uh, yes, number two well. in this list is Amphibia. That's ranked twenty overall. Yeah. So this is not a surprise, considering on how Amphibia made a major impact on the fandom. I mean, there's a lot of fan art of it. There's a lot of theories on it. There's a lot of discussion of the episodes. It is not too much of a surprise. And the fact that we're that um, Amphibia is currently on its hiatus and it just aired its new episodes of season three. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on from what I've heard. And I really want to see the show so badly. So yeah, we're going to get there, people. Like uh, right now, we've kind of like debated, like we're going to get through Amphibia separately. And then once we got to like, uh, you know, to the end three. of season two, uh, where we, I kind of know it. This is the problem, though, is like I kind of know what's kind of happened already because people keep yelling at them, yelling at me about it yeah thanks fans i know well i mean like uh, to be honest like i'm in a way i'm happy that they are and then i'm happy that they're not because at least it gives us something to talk about at least so fair enough i I guess maybe i shouldn't be too angry at the fans but uh, um in regards to like amphibia i kind of know what happens already but at least i want to go through the motions and i say oh hey this is the reason this happened in that because i don't have any context to all of like what's going on right right okay that's the thing so Okay, so, um, all right, number one in this list, and uh, I'm just going to go on this, okay? Number one in this list is the Owl House, which is ranked not 300, not 30, but three in this list. So, not only is it the number one uh, Owl House show, it is currently ranked number three in the top 100 list on Tumblr. Get a clue, Disney. Get a clue. Yeah. Yes. And here's the thing. It's the number one in terms of like animated series overall, because numbers two and one are live action shows. Number two is Loki. Number one is Supernatural. The Owl House is the best animated series on Tumblr in 2021. uh, Who's number four and who's number five? 
Number four is The Mandalorian. Number five is Miraculous Ladybug. Well, those, you know, just keep this in mind. The, actually, and also, good, good, good shout out to Miraculous Ladybug as well, because, you know, I've heard, I've heard some good things about that show. I've heard just, a lot of good things yeah, about just, it. Too. Just think about this for a second. Uh, uh, Miraculous Ladybug and The Owl House are currently number five and number three in the 100 list on Tumblr. Number nine is Avatar The Last Airbender. Well, yeah, of, of course. I mean, I expect that to be in the list, too. But, you know, like, uh, the, the, this is how good this show is. And, you know, I, I still say hashtag save the owl house because, like, uh, even you know, even if we... I, I always argue that, you know, the, the owl house, the way how good it is right now, it should go on for five seasons and have, like, you know, a good couple of... You know, go to 100 episodes at least. And then also there should be... You know, if, if there is space for a movie, then definitely do it. You know, but uh, that's the way I would run the Owl House if uh, you know I had uh, you know Dana, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, if I had Dana under discussions. But um, I just think that uh, with um, the way things are going right now, cutting the Owl House in half, I think, was a ridiculous decision, and it's just showing because the fans want to see this. The fans yes. want to see this show, and uh, they're right now clawing their, you know, at the at the door, saying, you know, when's the when's two B going to be out soon? Because they're all going to be desperate to be like <laughs> that. And seeing how dark Amphibia is has has gotten right now, I think a lot of people yeah. are going to be, you know, jumping at the wanting to know how, what's currently happening over at the Owl House. And you know, not only do they want that, but they actually, I mean, we it's too late now. I mean, obviously we've got the. Uh, 2B, from what I understand, is now complete, and also the Season 3 specials are also complete, too. So, I mean, like, yeah, yeah. Know, as long but as we're aware here's the thing, gone. I mean, it's not too late, because you remember what happened with Kim Possible, right? In which, you know, they had their, like, three seasons, and then they were going to just end it off with, like, the TV movie, so the drama. I mean, Futurama, Family Guy, I mean, like, uh, you know, fans, fans, if fans kick off enough, you know, companies will listen, and they will start doing stuff again. Yeah, and, and here's yeah. the thing. Dana Terrace recently posted up a picture of a young Ida and a young Rain together. And one of the fans was saying, oh, I would love to see a spinoff series with their younger years. And she said, that's a great idea. If Disney will allow me to do it, I would do it. Yeah, so like, uh, kick, kick off about it. Save, hashtag save the Owl House. Let Disney know what you want. And... um Keep putting uh, you know the Owl House up on trends because it does trend massively. You know whether the, it's funny, like whether it's you know um, Halloween specials, whether it, you know Halloween trends, or whether it's like you know different type of like you know genre trends. The Owl House seems to be there. And so I say to the Owl House, and I see everybody who wants to check out this show, you know, and like wants to see more of it, keep watching it because yes. that's the way that uh, you know Disney knows what they what they want to put on for everybody. And uh, at the end of the day, the customer is always right. So as long Absolutely. as you guys are out and this there, is, this you know, is what like, they want. Exactly, yeah. So, um, I, you know, th this is evident. This is massive proof that, y you know, this is what people want to see. And so, um, once they're done with this, you know, w with the, the 2B, and once they're done with these specials, you know, they, they should either go in the direction of, like, you know, expanding the Owl House story, or they do they just do something with it, you know, and get Dana back on the payroll and get her to do some more episodes of whatever she wants to do. Yes, no? yes, absolutely. Yeah. All right. So I, I think that the fans are, you know, putting their all into giving awareness to this because even Dana herself on her um, um, AMA that she did on Reddit, where she was saying that keep doing this because Disney is watching. 
So as long as you keep it trending on Disney plus, as long as you support the official release and as long as you, you know, spread the awareness of hashtag save the owl house, they will see this and they will pay attention to this. Also, uh, just keep this, just to let you know what is like one, two, three, four, four, what I mean, like, uh, I guess four and a half. I think you say shows right now are no longer in production. And uh, this just goes to show that people want to see more of this stuff. Yes. Yeah. And uh, right before we conclude this um, topic, because I know we've gone on it for quite a while, I want to talk about some of the animated series that are on this list. I'm just going to go on this really quickly. So number 100 is Teen Titans. Number 99 is Star Rebels. Number uh, 95 is Troll Hunters Tales of Arcadia. Number 91 is Powerpuff Girls. Number 87 is Invincible. Number 84 is South Park. Um, number 78 is Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, number 69 is Carmen Sandiego. Uh, number, six, uh, number 59 is The Legend of Korra. Number mm -hmm. 58 is Voltron Legendary Defender. Okay. N uh, number 53 is Winx Club. Uh, number Winx Club. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. uh, it, it's really popular in France okay. and in Canada. Um, number 42 is uh, Castlevania. Mm -hmm. Number 37 is She-Ra, the Princesses of Power. Number 35. Yeah, I thought it would be higher too. Number 35 is Infinity Train, which I thought would be a lot higher. I thought that'd be, Num should, be, that's, that's, that should be in top 20 at least. Yeah, that mm, should so. be in top 20. Number um, 29 is Adventure Time. Number 27 is Danny Phantom. Number 24 is Steven Universe. Ooh. Um. Yeah, I know. Uh, it's still popular, even though it's been gone for about four years. But even it's then, I would have thought that'd be top twenty. <laughs> I know, right? Wow. Um. Number eleven is Animaniacs. That doesn't surprise me. Number nine is Avatar: The Last Airbender. Doesn't number me. Number five is Miraculous Tales of Ladybug and Cat Noir, which we, we just were mentioned. About that, yeah. And then number three is The Owl House. So those exactly. are all the animated series, and the rest of it are live action shows. Well, I mean. I think you know. I think we have to go for all the. But mind you, we're not going to go for all the live action shows. Already no, doing, I'm just. I'm just going to go for the more notable ones. Um, number. Well, I, mean, but, but I think we, we need to move on because you know. Okay. Gotta, okay. We, yeah, we, we should move on. So, so yeah. So, I, I mean, like, yeah. Go go to Tumblr. Check out top 100 shows. By the there way, uh, hashtag pay animation writers. By the way, yes. like uh, you know, look at all those shows that are on there. And I think they should be getting paid a lot more to do those shows. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I've been seeing some really sad stories from animators and storyboard artists talking about like, you know, how they, you know, they have to work on like multiple shows just so that they can be able to pay the rent. And sometimes when they go over and they demand, hey, can you give me a slight raise because I'm, I can't pay the bills. And then they just kind of like look at you and saying like, oh, you know, you're, you're what's, pro you're what's the problem with this company. It's like, you're demanding more. It's like, they're demanding that they get paid so that they can be able to make a living. Meanwhile, you're running away. You're running off to the bank, you know. Ugh. Like, uh, screw you. Pay him more. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Pay, pay animation writers, guys. Seriously. Okay. Right. Uh, moving on. Uh, Avatar Studios is developing its own custom 2D CG animation style for its upcoming animated uh, Avatar movie and series. So, yes. um, I mean, this. I mean, people will say, "Oh, this is something that we've uh, you know we've seen before." It's like, no, like you know, Spider-Man. I mean, did this as well, and so yes, they and did. It did it very well, and so now a lot of other studios are now wanting to kind of like get into this idea of doing it too. So, I mean, this is. Uh, 
I mean, some people are going to say, oh, you know, it's uh, once again, you know, walking away from the 2D style of animation and, you know, once again, 3D taking over. But no, I think uh, if this is a, a particular style that has yet to be kind of like realized, I think, uh, you know, I think they definitely should give it a go. Yeah, I, I even have the, the quote right here. Avatar Studios, headed by uh, the creators Michael Dante DiMartino and Brian Konetsko, has an ambitious multi-tiered plan that can take 20 years and will explore the history and future of the world of Avatar. Uh, composer Jeremy Zuckerman re um, revealed that what he's seen and what they're working on is inspired and gorgeous. The quality is even higher than what you would expect. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I mean, watching, uh, is it going to be uh, sort of the same animation style they did with uh, Spider-Man into, into, into the Spider-Verse, which uh, I mm -hmm. love that movie, by the way. So, oh, by the way, have you seen the trailer for Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse? I haven't seen it yet, but uh, I think eventually you and I, I mean, depending on that, so, you know, we stay doing this for the next for the rest of the year. I think, uh, I think you and I will probably be crossing by it. So, but uh, Yeah, the, the trailer just came out. I think yesterday and a lot of people oh, are just yeah. going crazy for it we'll get there eventually guys but i mean like uh, spider-verse i do like so i, I think, loved uh, it yeah. I mean, we, we watched it together i think we watched this and wreck it ralph breaks the internet at the same time mm -hmm. yeah so, so um in regards to uh, this uh, new animation style i think you know i liked it and so i think it would really work well with, with, um, with avatar by the way there were some 3d effects in the original in the original avatar show yeah, they so were. This, this isn't this isn't new. So, but uh, I think once it becomes more realized, and I think uh, they take advantage of the technology, I think uh, you know these these um, uh, you, know, uh, you know Bender fights are going to look even more spectacular than they were you know in the original show. So. Oh, absolutely, yes. And uh, the fact that they're able to you know have a, a unique animation style to kind of like you know show how much time had progressed from 15 years ago just goes to show you that they're willing to push new grounds. And I'm, I, I I respect them for that because they could have just you know played it to the same old animation style and not change very much. I mean, I know what they, the old saying goes, you know, if it's not broken, don't fix it. But you know, sometimes you need to be able to stand out and you need to be able to show that you can be able to push yourself and showcasing on what you can be able to do to tell these stories. Mm -hmm. So uh, my feeling is, is that I think uh, if they're going to be taking Avatar in a brand new direction with this, then uh, and uh, they do something which is going to be crowd pleasing, then yeah, go for it. You know? mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, yeah. Cool. Okay. I think. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry, guys. There's not really that much to talk about because. <laughs> You know, that that's just the simple announcement. I mean, literally, it was just only two paragraphs of this. So, yeah, we, we but don't worry. Once we know more information, we'll let you know. Okay. Right. So, um, I talked about A Loud House Christmas um, a few episodes ago. And yes. uh, I said that uh, they were going to have to do something, you know, pretty careful with this show. Because, I mean, obviously, The Loud House in itself is a pretty ambitious, you know, so animated, you know, spe spe comedy spectacle. And uh, relies a lot on... Uh, physical humor and things like that but uh, mm -hmm. you know they pulled it off and a lot of christmas right on nickelodeon right now has become tv's top kids entertainment telecast of 2021 so yes I guess so according to what the uh, according to what the deadline article says it drew a 1.9 um out of 383,000 among kids 2 to 11 a 2.1 out of 252,000 with kids 6 to 11 and it drew an 881,000 total viewers in live plus same day the 2.1 kids 6 to 11 made the film the top entertainment telecast of uh, television on that year to date with the kids demo 
Overall, it amassed 3.1 million total views. The movie saw triple digits over year-by-year gains with uh, kids 2 to 11 at 171%, kids 6 to 11 at 133%, and the total viewers was 166%. Among adults 18 to 49, A Loud House Christmas is up 300% year-by-year and 100% prior four-week benchmarks. Okay, so um, they, so that's all well and good, but uh, then we get to the reviews. And uh, right now on IMDb, it currently stands on 4.2 out of 10. Ooh, yeah, no. That's um, not a, I mean, not all that good. So um, let's go through a few of them. And uh, so it says, um, going to a Lego builder, they say that uh, I really like the Loud House animated show and the Loud House uh, movie on Netflix. But now we have a Nickelodeon movie called the Loud House Christmas in the live action. The actors look close enough to the Loud House siblings and they act and they acted like how they, the characters would be in the show. It does have a Nickelodeon movie feel to it and it can, e- can either be cringeworthy or weird looking because it's uh, different than how it is in the animation. I'm not going to say how, I'm not going to go see, go and see by any chance, uh, but uh, they have to, uh, but they have to accurate things from the show that to look good in live action. Overall, I think it's bad, but entertainingly bad. So, uh, okay, entertainingly bad, I think, is uh, what uh, is, seems to be uh, the biggest okay. review on this at the moment. Um, surprisingly enough, that the, the film feels too short, apparently. So, this uh, was too short, according to one person. Overall, okay. uh, despite the derivative der- story and the thin runtime, Aladdin's Christmas was a cute movie that had a good a- had good acting and felt uh, faithful to the source material. So um... that's good, you know, because I've seen a- I've seen my fair share of live action movies based off of animated shows that look nothing like the show. So mm-hmm. I have to give kudos for that. Okay, here's some bad reviews. Um, Don't waste your time and energy watching this. It is a terrible, and the premise and the movie is just so sad, and the casting is just terrible for the actors who didn't sound like anything near the characters on the TV show. The worst, out loud, the worst Loud House episode or movie that's ever the, uh, that makes the Casa Grande semi good. Semi good. <laughs> oh wow, really? It was that bad? Uh, according to one person, it was. Yeah. Um. So, but one person said it was decent. Uh, one said it was extreme. Well, one thing that's coming across is extremely cute. Or uh, so it's, it's kind of. I mean, like I a... would expect it to be extremely cute. I mean, it's like you know, you have these kids, and you know, they're trying to have a nice Christmas, and yeah, it's based off of a nice, wholesome show. So I would expect it to be cute. Hmm. Uh, one person put Christmas potential, uh, <laughs> as in Christmas mm. potential. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha, um, gotcha. I remember when the Loud House first aired on uh, in Nick in 2016. Uh, it was Breath of Fresh Air and Nick. Okay, I felt like the plot was uh, the movie was underdeveloped. Uh, Lincoln was in his entire family home for Christmas. So, however, his elder sisters are planning different events while the family is planning to go to Miami. Planning to go to Miami. Uh, the event to keep the traditions, uh, Lincoln sabotages all of their plans but goes too far. He then tries to make things right and admits that it was all wrong. Uh, while he would have done done for a few tweaks into Lincoln's story, the writers uh, should have spent more time on other B-plots, especially with Laurie's return home. Uh, the the actors uh, didn't do a bad job for this. I felt like it resembled the characters well. I feel like they could have been a bit more expression in their deliveries. And this is the problem, like, when you go to live action from, you know, uh, from, from, from animation, the expression really does tone down. And so, yeah, I mean, yeah. That, that is to be expected, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, here's, here's another one here. The casting was horrible. The uh, characters didn't seem like themselves. The whole movie was horrible, and the acting was terrible. Okay, go. I hate it. This, okay, she's kind of ranting on about different stuff, like, uh, you know, that was, that was not a very useful review. Okay. Um, let's have a look. Uh, do, 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 do. Um, movie was great. There is actually quite a few nines and tens actually, and uh, actually getting you know helpful reviews. So um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's a mixed bag, I think. Sure. So, I mean, I would expect. I would. I. I mean, I guess you know, I wasn't expecting like a masterpiece or anything like that. I was just expecting it to be like pretty decent. It's a TV movie or one for streaming. Like it's just it's. Uh... And not not to mention it's a live action movie based off of an animated series. Yeah, it's like it's just it's uh it's gonna have limitations. Even I said from the very beginning it was gonna have limitations. Like sure. uh, it wasn't it wasn't gonna meet the cartoon show by any stretch of the imagination, and it just shows here. Yeah. So I mean, I haven't seen it yet, so I, I probably will have to take a look into it when I have the chance. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Um, we are gonna get into another top twenty-five, or uh, well, it's definitely better than a top one hundred. So. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, we didn't even look at all the one hundred, but yeah, I mean, I'm I'm actually I'm actually excited for this. Yeah, I think I think mind you, I think hammering home the um the 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 fact that the owl house is at the top of all of this and also some of the uh, disney shows are taking you know uh, significant numbers i think is uh, something to be uh, talked about as well so yeah. um by the way the buzzfeed does this in the wrong order so it puts the top so it puts the top one first so i'm going to go from the bottom and then go from the top yeah so, yeah, yeah okay. i get what you're trying to say so okay so here are the top 25 uh of all time so patricia are you ready for me to go through them all ready okay number 25 is regular show wow really this low Mm, apparently so. Wow. Yeah. I, I mean, I would expect it to be a lot higher. No, I've not seen regular show all that much, but I have heard things about it, and apparently a lot of people do like it. You know, uh, it's, a, Calvin... it's a great show, by the way. I mean, you have these two friends named um, you know, uh Rick Mordecai, and um they, they just basically like you know do a terrible job of you know their job at the park, and then they just goof around and they do a, a bunch of various things, and some of them it can be really, really weird. Um JG Quintel created this show, and this was originally supposed to be like an adult cartoon but then it was changed over to like a um you know a cartoon for cartoon network because he felt that you know even though that it you know he wanted to be like kind of like Rocco's modern life in which like okay maybe there's like it could be fun but at the same time there could be a lot of jokes and references that can go over your head so yeah yeah, it's a it's a great show lasted for about eight years and had a great movie and a great series finale so yeah it kept going through its low point i think we can all agree this and adventure time definitely did and (laughs) i'm surprised that it's so low i would have been it would have been like at least around the top 15 i think well this is buzzfeed so i think uh you know we we know them for like uh, being uh, you know uh you know marmizing all these things so, well, I, I don't know. I mean, I just know BuzzFeed for like a couple of things, but, um, but yeah. Anyway, so moving on. Okay, number tw- number twenty four is Ben Ten. Wow, again, that's pretty low. I thought it would be a lot higher. So yeah, I ben think 10 Ben was Ten a- has pretty limited appeal. I don't think it, I, I think a regular show. I think uh, it, if it's, if the animation doesn't kind of like you know win the kids over, I think uh, it's it's writing and it's kind of like it's storytelling. I think uh, would definitely get some adult fans. I think. Now here's the thing: I have seen the original Ben Ten because my cousin was a huge Ben Ten fan as a kid, so I am familiar with it. I'm not familiar with the other um, you know s- uh, s- series and spinoffs and all that kind of stuff. I haven't even seen the reboot yet. 
which yes, I know there's a reboot that came out like a few years ago. I think it's too soon, but you know what, whatever. So yeah, uh, Ben 10, uh, it's about a kid named Ben Tennyson who finds a watch known as the Omnitrix and he can be able to turn into 10 different monsters and they go off and fight aliens and various other creatures. I, I and... think he was able to turn into more one after that, I think. Uh, didn't yeah, they, later like, on in the, the series Omnitrix. he does in Ben 10 Omniverse, he's able to turn into like different forms of monsters and in the future, he becomes Ben 10K, which is he can turn into 10,000 different monsters but that's far into the future imagine but, if this came out in the same time that pokemon came out like uh, hmm. Hmm. would it would it have would it have stood up to pokemon or would it got lost in the shovel not really considering that um it's a different take i mean it's based off of a old comic book series from the 70s called ages for hero where okay. you know a kid can be able to like uh, well i think a superhero can be able to turn into like 10 different forms or seven different forms or something so yeah it's based off of that and um, yeah, it, it was a really unique show. I, I thought that uh, with Ben, Gwen and their grandfather mask are able to like travel around and uh, being able to take down aliens. Uh, they're known as the plumbers and not plumbers that can actually fix pipes like plumbers is that they can be able to like take down bad uh, aliens that try to take over the earth. And um, yeah, from what I've seen in the original Ben 10, it was actually really, really solid. Um, Omniverse, not so much. I mean, I've only seen like a handful of episodes of Omniverse where the characters are older and they change the aliens around a bit i felt that that was when things just kind of like went downhill from there i haven't seen the other series yet and i haven't seen the reboot so i don't know about that but the original still holds up mm -hmm. uh number 23 is i am weasel Okay, now this I would expect it to be a little lower on the list. Not to say anything bad about I Am Weasel. It was a spinoff to Cow and Chicken. And yeah, I mean, I would say it's not anywhere near as good as Cow and Chicken, but it did have its own moments. I mean, you have IR Baboon and I Am Weasel, and they just go through a lot of like crazy antics. And yeah, I would expect this to be kind of like that on the bottom of the list because, you know, Cartoon Network shows become better as time went on. So I, it was never my favorite part of Cow and Chicken, to be quite honest. I always kind of like try to skip over it if I could. But really? Yeah, I no, mean, I, I, weasel. I mean, I like it too, but you know, there's some times in which, you know, um, they don't have like as good episodes as compared to like cow and chicken. Like if I'm watching like on my, on my, one of my favorite episodes and the I am weasel thing just kind of came in, you know, I mean, sometimes it would be a good package or sometimes it would kind of like drag things down. I guess it's like how Garfield fans feel about like when the U S acres would air in between the Garfield specials. So I don't know, but yeah, I mean, I would expect it to be kind of like this part of the list. I mean, I do like it, but a lot of Cartoon Network shows have become a lot better since then. Yeah. I'm just trying to think, because like, uh, in regards to like, I do admit that, uh, you know, when the, the remember there was the, uh, what was it, the Droopy, the Master Detective Hound? When they, yes. when they did those, I think that was, that was a spin off in itself of the Tom and Jerry kits, I think. If I'm, exactly. If I'm yeah. Yeah. So, like, but then they did, like, they put, like, uh, Screwball Squirrel, I think, uh, yeah, cartoons, like, squirrel, in the yeah, of them. Yeah. I didn't particularly like the Screwball, the Screwy Squirrel shorts as much as I like the, uh, the actual main show. Exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. So exactly. It, it, it can be a mixed bag if you try to put in another show in between another show. Sometimes well, it could be a good, nice little package and other times it kind of just drags it. Well, I think, I mean, if you want to break up the monotony and you want to like uh, do new things, I mean, I wouldn't do it like every single episode where like, you know, oh, hey, you know, we've got to break up cow and chicken with I am weasel. I wouldn't necessarily do it that way. I like, uh, I like remember when the time when like, you know, the red guy got his own episode and like, you know, being like, you know, an awful boss and like, you no know, one wanted to go to his like, you know, I remember, birthday yeah. party. like, you know, do 
things like that, like where, but only like on like one of occasion. Like you don't do it like every, like you only do it like once in a blue moon, or like you know you do something which is kind of like a spin-off, kind of like you know you would do in you know in the regular show where you like uh, you know we're not not as in regular show. I mean like you know just as you would do a show where you have your main characters and then to you know there will be episodes that will focus on like you know the the side characters. You know like uh, you know uh, say for example like Mr. Simmons becoming you know the principal of like the uh, you know of 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 the of the school in Hey Arnold or you know I'm trying to think of other good you know side episodes. I'm trying yeah, to like and, you know when when you focus on Grandpa Phil or when you focus on Ernie or when you focus on Mr. Wynn yeah. or when you focus on like you know a lot of the side kids like Phoebe or Sid or Harold. Mm-hmm. So like you know not just that's what restricted to Hey Arnold like any show that focuses like on its side characters build its world I think uh, that's yeah. that's when it becomes a good thing I think when you you break up the monotony I think only you know certain amount of times I think definitely with streaming now like you know when you're doing like episode you know episode after episode after episode I think then after that I think you have to say okay let's throw this in just kind of like you know break things up a little bit yeah 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 so, there you go number twenty two is a surprising one number twenty two is Chowder. Oh no, that's such a shame. I wanted this to be a lot higher. I love Chowder so much. It's one of the more underrated Cartoon Network shows. I think Chowder came to me too late. I think uh, I think when Chowder came out, I think I'd already moved on. I think from then, I don't think... Again, the uh, only reason yeah. why I knew a lot about these 2000s Cartoon Network shows is because I had a lot younger cousins who would watch it. Yeah. Um, number 21, again, is a surprising lower entry, is uh, Over the Garden Wall. Oh, again, this should be a lot higher. Over the Garden Wall is so amazing. For those who don't know, Patrick McHale, who worked on Adventure Time and Regular Show, he went off and did his own mini series where it's about two brothers who wander into the forest and then they see a lot of the gnomes and creatures that would come about. And a lot of people, they always say, I watch this every Halloween because it has this really nice atmosphere of like the fall season and um, they have like all of these creatures that they would be meeting along the way. And it has like a laid back atmospheric tone. And, oh man, I am so sad that it's not higher because it is amazing. Yeah. I'm a bit worried about the top 20 now. Like, you know, if I see Teen Titans go at the top of this list, I'm going to be, I'm just going to start screaming. Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, I hope not. Let's continue. Right. Number 20 is Megas XLR. Okay, I know a lot about Megas XLR because, again, my cousins watched it. So Megas XLR is about a slacker teenager named Coop. And there, there's this giant robot that came in from outer space and he uses it to goof off. He's like the <laughs> typical slacker kid who is just like, oh, I'm going to use this giant robot so I can walk over to a fast food joint and get myself a milkshake. Oh, we have this giant alien that's come on by who kind of looks like Galactus and he's voiced by Bruce Campbell. Yeah, we're just going to defeat him by just being the silliest possible. So, yeah, this is a, you know, kind of like a major twist on what you would expect to see in like Voltron or Transformers. When it's like, did this come out? It came out around the mid-2000s, okay. but hmm. it, it only lasted for two seasons, and this show was a failure on Cartoon Network. Oh, jeez. Well, yeah. that doesn't surprise in me fact, too much. It, 
This I mean, sounds... no, people, no, here's the thing. People loved this show. The problem was, is that there was barely any advertisement. There was no toys for it. And because the, the views were so low, co- according to Cartoon Network standards, this was considered to be a tax write-off. So that's why there are no more reruns of this show ever again. I, I think this show came too late. I think I could see, like, you know, Beavis and Butthead was like, you know, early 90s, wasn't it? Like, uh, you know, during the MTV generation. I think if something like this come out i think around about the same time i think i guarantee you that uh this probably would have been a more successful show hmm. i think possibly yeah that's that's just my that's just my opinion on that and uh yeah um number 13 sorry uh, number 13 where, where are we going okay <laughs> num- no number 19 in this list is samurai jack why is it so low on the list i i don't know like uh, this is show we've talked about it before in casual chats and i know that season five you know it had its good and bad moments but it's still phenomenal it's gendy tartakovsky's magnum opus i mean i know i mean we have to see primal to see you know um you know the second season to see how that stacks up and, and, and that's it's right up there by the way but that's an adult swim series so it's not exactly a cartoon network series but anyway Samurai Jack is phenomenal it's a great animated series it has great atmosphere great action great amazing character moments it has had moments it it's a whole package i it's it's personally my favorite of the cartoon network series but i am so sad that it's so low on the list again why is it so low on the list i don't know okay uh number 18 is foster's home for imaginary friends um okay this would i would say it's i would say a little bit maybe toward the top 15 but yeah uh so foster's home for an imaginary friends this was the second animated series created by craig mccracken after he was done with powerpuff girls and yeah it's basically about um a kid named mac and his imaginary friend named blue and um he's getting too old for it so he decides to drop it off into foster's home for imaginary friends and yeah you get to see all the imaginary friends who live there and yeah it was a pretty fun solid show Mm-hmm. I mean, I got pretty emotional over the uh, well, the, you know, there was the uh, the the basketball imaginary friend. Oh, Wilt, who, uh, yeah, that that Wilt, that's, yeah. That, 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 that is an excellent TV movie, by the way, where we get to know about Wilt's imaginary friend, where he tries to travel around so that he can find him because he got lost. So that's a great one, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay, number seventeen. I'm surprised it's this high on the list. Is my gym partner's a monkey? Oh no! This is my least favorite on the list. This, this, this didn't even get an international release, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. This show is stupid, by the way. So, for those who don't know what it is, it's about a kid whose last name is Lion, and he ends up in the school where he's surrounded by a bunch of animals, and so he been friends a kid, uh, a monkey named Jake, and oh my god, this show is. Oh, this show is really dumb. Isn't I'm sorry. I don't jokes like this. Pretty much. Like, it's uh, a lot of butt jokes. Yeah, I because know, Jake is like... a monkey and he has a butt. Get, get yeah. It's yeah. it's pretty stupid, actually. I hate this show so much. Yeah, and it's not for seventeen. On by the way, higher than Samurai Jack apparently, going to Buzzfeed. Ah, higher than Samurai Jack. Higher than Over the Garden Wall. Higher than Shouter. Oh my. Oh, okay. Yeah. Move on, please, please. I'm okay. Uh, number sixteen in this list is Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated. Okay, this is actually a really good show. So uh, many people even argue that this is the best Scooby Doo animated series. So Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated was able to take the series in a darker direction. You like Zombie Island? 
basically mm-hmm. have this, but an animated series. They oh. have continuing story arcs. They have they go into darker directions than any other Scooby-Doo animated series has ever gotten. They're able to develop the characters into something that was completely different. But at the same time, they were able to have callbacks to the classics. So it's the whole package. It's a fantastic animated series. Brilliant. Uh, number 15 is Dexler's Laboratory. Okay, um, I do like Dexter's Lab. I really do. Um, the early I seasons, around... I do. Yeah, the, the early later seasons, seasons yeah. I think, drags it down. I yeah, I think that because Yendi wasn't too much of a part of it, and as we all know, Christine Cavanaugh had retired from voice acting, and then Candy Milo had to take over in the later seasons. So you can definitely tell that there was a dip in quality, and I think that he was also working on Samurai Jack around that time. So, yeah, I know that the early seasons are what considered to be the classics, and you know, this is another example about like, hey, let's add in additional cartoons to kind of like mix up the monotony. They had like the Justice Friends and they had Dial M for Monkey. So those were actually really good. And they actually fit into the series really, really well. So um, I think that Dexter's Lab, definitely one of the classics of Cartoon Network, um, one of the staples of Cartoon Network. And, you know, yeah. definitely um, one that still uh, is an influence for a lot of people. Yeah. yeah. How did you feel about the season one finale when, you know, uh, the end of like the, the massive robot fight in Japan? And like, I remember, uh, yes. I yeah. And like, uh, you thought it was going to be like, oh, wow, like, you know, the parents going to know about his lab and, uh, you know, the whole, you know, the whole thing. Just gonna like you know, then Dex is just kind of like just erases their memories anyway. It's kind of like, of course, like, they did because, of course yeah, they did. yeah, yeah, so. gotta get back to the status quo. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, number 14 is uh, the marvelous misadventure of Flapjack. Okay, now Flapjack is definitely a mixed bag for a lot of people. So, for those who don't know, the marvelous misadventures of Flapjack was created by um Thorpe Van Orman and it fo- focuses on a young boy named Flapjack and his companion named Captain Knuckles. And they live in a whale named Bubby. I know, go, go with this. <laughs> so, they're looking for the Candy Kingdom, which is this island that's made out of entirely of candy because uh plapjack and captain knuckles are just obsessed with candy the show is really really weird it has weird animation it has weird story arcs it has weird characters it is weird but it's a very important cartoon network show because a lot of people who worked on it would go off and create their own shows alex hirsch was a storyboard artist on this show jg quintel was a storyboard artist on this show um Pendleton Ward worked on this show. So without Flapjack, we wouldn't have regular show Adventure Time and Gravity Falls. Yeah. I think Flapjack came at an unfortunate time because with the people that I heard who watched this show turned around and said, Oh, this is Cartoon Network's uh, attempt to try and compete with SpongeBob SquarePants. Yes, like, yeah. it does definitely feel like that. And a lot of people say it's kind of like if Ren and Stimpy mixed up with One Piece. And I can kind of see that, but it's not exactly like that. I think that if the show would have came out around the 2010s, it would have been a bigger success. But, you know, the shows that came out of the 2010s wouldn't happen without Flapjack. So we, we it, it definitely deserves a lot of credit for what it deserves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Thorpe Van Orman, I mean, because of, you know, the influence that he was able to do for those creators, I mean, he went off to do Gideon and, and Gravity Falls. And, you know, um, so I think that we need to give Flapjack the credit that it deserves. It Even though that does. I know that it's a mixed bag for a lot of people. Some people like it, some people don't. Yeah. Okay, uh, number 13 is We Bear Bears. Okay, 
I have seen a few episodes of Weird Bear Bears. It is a very sweet, wholesome show. It's about these three brothers named Grizz, Panda, and Ice Bear. And throughout the show, they're just hanging out in their home. They're just um, going through like various adventures. Sometimes they post a lot on social media. Sometimes um, they're able to just go through like everyday problems. Uh, a lot of the episodes would be focusing on them as babies when they are trying to look for a, uh, a home because they're orphans. And uh, yeah, it's a very cute, wholesome show, and um, it would eventually spin off into the new spinoff uh, series, We Bear Baby. You know, We Baby Bears, that's what it's called, Yeah, where it focuses on them as babies. So yeah, it is a very sweet show. It had a movie a few years ago. It ended a while ago, but um, they're still continuing on with it. Yeah, it's a very nice, sweet, wholesome show. Yeah, I mean, according to this, I mean, like, I didn't know this before. Apparently, uh, We Bear Bears has been uh, lauded by critics as, uh, as depictions of uh, modern millennial anxieties and also uh, the uh, also involves ethnic diversity. Yes, it does because um, and, and it does it does deal with a lot of millennium problems and stuff like that because they do go on social media a lot. There's a lot of references to like them posting on like Instagram and stuff like that. They do go through a lot of stress and anxiety. There's a lot of diversity because they do meet up with a lot of diverse characters. There's Asians, there's Europeans, and you know there's all different walks of life. So they do co collaborate into this show. So yeah, there's a lot of diversity in that too. Okay. Number 12 is Clarence. Okay. Now Clarence is, I'm surprised that Clarence is this high on the list considering of the controversies that it had. So Clarence was a callback to slice of life cartoons in the nineties where it focuses on a kid named Clarence and he's just going through his everyday problems with his mom and his friends. But the problem, the, the thing that everybody brings up on Clarence is that the creator was fired from Cartoon Network because of, well, the same reasons that John Kay and Chris Savino were fired. Yeah. I'm just going to leave it at that. Okay. But the show was able to continue on in its later seasons with another showrunner and other people who worked on the show. But the, the, the tension of the show was just killed off because nobody wanted to watch this show because of those alley of the, of the, the creator being fired for that reason. Basically it was people, tainted at that point. Yes. It was completely tainted at that point, but even in the beginning, not a lot of people thought it was like, I mean, to be fair, slice of life cartoons were kind of like at that point, non-existent. So the fact that we had a show that was a callback to it, I mean, especially since we had like Adventure Time and regular show and Over the Garden Wall at the time, it was kind of like the odd one out. I mean, even Uncle Grandpa had more praise than this. Yeah, I'm like, also, it doesn't look all that well animated as well. I've never seen the show, so like, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, most people have not. And if they have, they stop watching it because of the what happened to the creator okay so yeah uh, i i definitely do need to watch it because a lot of people have been requesting me to watch it because it is a slice of life cartoon and i do talk about slice of life cartoons a lot so i will get to it at some point and i'll just get my motion out of the way saying i know that the creator was fired for that particular reason i'm just gonna watch it on its own merits to see how yeah, well it's, it's, it's not like everyone keeps talking about like you know oh hey you know like uh, all dogs go to heaven was like you know that last you know girls Don you know, show movie, before yeah. she was murdered and like you know it's like it's oh just, yeah it's, with judy barcy yes, yes. Barcy, yeah like uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's, just, it's like one of the things you just can't get out of your head when you're watching it. It's, it's, it's yeah, I know. Like, I mean, I mean, that's kind of like what I mean. I know when Rust is going to come out, people are not going to get what out of their head of what happens. Yeah, just like not. It. Oh, if Rust comes out at all, like you know, it's just, it's, I don't even know what's going on with that movie we'll, right now. Yeah, we'll, so. we'll see. Okay, uh, number eleven is the Amazing World of Gumball. Okay, the Amazing World of Gumball is a really good show. It is weird. It is crazy, but at the same time, it does have really nice, wholesome moments. And I think that um, it's able to play off in such an interesting way of mixing up different styles of animation. Now, Chowder did this kind of with a mixture of like 
CGI and puppets and all that kind of stuff. But Gumball was able to take it into an interesting direction with like all the different animation styles with the creatures and um, there, uh, the, the fact that the jokes go really, really quick and you need to like pay attention to what's going on. So yeah, Gumball is a really nice show. Uh, it's going to have a movie coming out. And um, even though the show ended already a few years ago, but the movie is going to be coming out really soon because people just really love this show. Mm-hmm. You know, before we go into the top 10, I just realized something. There's one thing I forgot to put in this list when we were actually doing the show, and that is that uh, the trailer actually drops for the uh, the HBO documentary for uh, the making of Sesame Street. Yes. I really want to see this so badly. I hope yeah. that it gets released somewhere else, like on YouTube or Amazon or something. I, I think eventually it will drop somewhere else, but uh, apparently it's going to be, I think it's December 6th, I think. Actually, tomorrow. Actually, I think it's going to yeah. be. Oh, yeah. It's going to be. Oh, I, I, I really want to see it so badly. I've yeah. seen a few of the Sesame Street documentaries. I've seen I Am Big Bird. I've seen, um, you know, Becoming Elmo. So I've seen a few of them, but I really yeah. want to see the whole thing. This picture. apparently, this ridiculous you know, documentary is not going to pull any punches. It's going to talk about, you know, the difficulty like you know i mean we always had like, like you know the uh the big bird documentary and like you know the whole difficulties of like you know were yeah, uh, like we're... Spivey actually you know becoming the character and everything like yes, that but yes. i think this is going to go d- deeper i think in regards to like all the stuff that was going on including the uh when they were you know banned for those uh, you know couple of days in mississippi so like uh, <laughs> yeah so, that, oh, i i, I want to hear about the band sesame street episodes too yeah i think we're gonna hear about those too so i'm, I'm excited I, I think so anyway i don't i've no i don't know i think that's Right, okay, we're going into the top 10, and already I'm massively disappointed and massively angry. Um, Number 10 in this list is Teen Titans Go. Oh, no. Really? Yeah. And, like, this show, I mean, the, the, the first couple of seasons is terrible i'm, I'm gonna yes. just say yes, out there yes. right now and it was even worse when they actually started calling people out you know who were originally fans of the show and you know actually kind of making fun of like the fans as well like that was even worse and it was only until like the movie and i think only until like you know they started the later like, getting, seasons i think later seasons they actually started getting actually started getting somewhat watchable and uh also the, the, apparently the the uh, the crossover episode with like the powerpuff girls apparently was a lot was praised quite quite much as well because apparently yeah the, and, the and also the crossover episode that they did with the original Teen Titans I've also heard some good reviews on it as well yeah well uh, I think that was I think that was wasn't actually part of like the Teen Titans Go series I don't think I think that was like, kind of like a it was Teen Titans Go versus Teen Titans yeah I think that was kind of a separate thing kind of like yeah it was a separate thing, thing yeah. but I, I I know what you're saying but yeah um here's the thing I mean I think that Teen Titans Go would have been a better show and not create as much backlash if a they did different Teen Titans, which here's the thing. They always change up the Teen Titans in every comic book incarnation. And B, if they didn't bring back the original voice actors, if they would have had like new voice actors and if they would have had new versions of the Titans, then that would have been perfectly fine. If they would have, if maybe they would have done like Tiny Titans, which is kind of like Teen Titans for like little kids, I would have been fine with it too. But the fact that number one, Teen Titans ended on a massive cliffhanger and they were originally supposed to end it with the Judas contract, but the show is canceled. And B, the fact that Teen Titans Go decides to, you know, poke fun of the original fan saying, oh, you, you know, um, you know, we know that the, the original Teen Titans was better. And then they just decided to like make fun of them. It's like, yeah, that's going to leave a bad taste in your mouth. I'm exactly. sorry. I think, I think that, I think Cards, at that point, also I think Cards and Network was in the, in the doghouse, I think at that one point, because, you know, like yes, people were. were so angry with the directions that they were going and also the live action shows were just not working yeah like it like destroy build destroy and all those kind of yeah, shows like the so cartesian live that, stuff yeah it was at that point i would have said you know wow nickelodeon is even though it's supposed to become the spongebob squarepants network it's doing miles better than my cartoon network was at that point 
Yeah, well, take until Nickelodeon to be complete idiots by rejecting Adventure Time. And then it pretty much just helped Cartoon Network get a major boost. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, number nine is Cow and Chicken. Okay, now, don't get me wrong. I love Cow and Chicken, but I would have expected it to be a little bit lower on the list. Yeah. Now, yeah. Here's the thing. Like, um, cow and chicken. Uh, I would say in the early seasons were were, were really really funny, but when it came to the later seasons, it started to kind of like drag out a little bit. Which here's yeah. the thing: any show that focuses on like a particular formula, and especially if you run it for a long time, it does tend to get stale. So yeah, I think that that was the the catalyst for that. And you know, that's not to say that it had like you know bad episodes. It really had great episodes, like the ugliest weenie and sail cat, and um, you know, all those other show uh, episodes so yeah i mean it, it also had some pretty good music too uh written by um you know the the guy who co-created chalk zone uh bill burnett so uh, a lot of people um you know would um work on this show would go off and do other things as well so yeah mm-hmm. i do enjoy cow and chicken and you know charlie adler is like the reason why this show is excellent because yeah. but, but, he did but, cow chicken the red guy and ir baboon he was able to just pull it off so well yeah but the, the other thing i also like about cow and chicken is the pilot episode which appeared on water cartoon which they could remember, never yeah. ever get away with today no like, i know. mean it, it, it's it's about chicken smoking cigarettes yeah you and can the, never the, get by away the way that. the red guy in the pilot was not known as the red guy he was known as the devil they actually yes, referenced was, yeah. him and even nickelodeon wasn't even you know were ballsy enough to actually you know re- reference the devil when you really think about it, because you're like, they yeah, were, because they, they had peaches, peaches in Rocco's Middle Life. They're like, you know, it was uh, that the fact that that made it to air, and the fact it, you know, it wasn't just there, it was once multiple times. Like, it was just, it was a uh, wow. And then I think then they got the message that they had to tone it down. And so then he became the right guy, but everyone knew who he was. Yeah. And, and they did make him a lot more foppish and over the top. But, mm. you know, th- that's what made him fun, you know? Yeah. So. Okay, number eight is Codenames Kids Next Door. Okay, this is one of the quintessential Cartoon Network shows of the 2000s. So uh, created by Mr. Warburton, Codename Kids Next Door is about a group of five kids from Sector V where there are a group of kids who are taking down the adults because the adults are the bad guys in this series because of course they are. Mm -hmm. So... You have a whole bunch of great villains. You have the Twilinator. You have Sticky Beard. You have the delightful children from down the lane. You have Father. I mean, all of these characters are just so really interesting. The the the, the premise is a great premise about like kids saving the world with two by four technology and you know going into space and going into different worlds and um, you know taking down the bad guys that are the grown ups. So yeah, this is something that every kid would dream of and. Is it true that uh, you know number five was voiced by the same same uh, voice actress as like a Susie from the Rugrats, if I'm not mistaken? Yes. Yeah. It yes, was. it All is. Right. So yeah, yeah. Number five is voiced by Cree Summer, um, who also did like Susie from Rugrats. Yes. Um, numbers one and number uh, numbers one and two were voiced by the same person, Ben Diskin, and um, number three is. Um, the same actress who did like, um, uh, what was it like, uh, uh, Julie from Futurama, and you know she was also um, Min from King of the Hill. And number four is Dee Bradley Baker, who you know is a lot of the creature voices from like a lot of movies, and he also was like Rex in Star Wars: The Clone Wars, and he was Olmec in Legends of the Hidden Temple. So yeah. Anyway, so yeah, the the show's great. It lasted for about uh, you know five or six seasons. It ended off wonderfully with the TV movie. Um, and the the series finale was great where number one goes into outer space and, you know, goes off and does his own adventures and 
they were supposed to do a, a, a sequel series called Galactic Kid Next Door. And there's an animatic that's been released online around 2011. But Cartoon Network said no, they don't want to pick this up. And fans have been demanding that Galactic Kid Next Door gets picked up because yeah, it we'll looks see. really, really cool. I mean, I think one thing I would say about that is that uh, remember when they did Josie and the Post Seacats and then in the next season they had like, and they blast them off into space. And I guess maybe that's what Kids of Network had in their minds, I guess, when they were thinking about that. I don't know. Well, I don't know, but it, it looks really, really cool. If if you watch the animatic and it's, it focuses on like an older number one in, in outer space and taking down galactic bad guys. So I think that would have been a really great idea if they would have picked this up, but unfortunately it never did. And currently Mr. Warburton is working in Disney now, you know, he's actually one of the writers and one of the people working on the new uh, Muppet babies reboot. So mm -hmm. Good on him, you know. Cool. And also, uh, the next one is actually a show that had a crossover with Cody's Kids Next Door and uh, had, uh, had uh, one of these uh, characters as the protagonist. It is The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. Yeah, so uh, Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, uh, really, really dark show, by the way. And at the same time, it's also really, really humorous as well. So basically, it's about these two kids named Billy and Mandy, and they make a deal with the Grim Reaper that if he loses a game, then they would become his slaves. And we just see a lot of creatures. We see a lot of um, different dimensions and different worlds. And it's just, it's just mostly a comedy. And I think that, 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 that it works pretty well for it. It eventually have a, a spinoff series called evil concarne, which focuses on the obviously evil concarne and the bad guys. But yeah, um, the show is really, really weird, really scary and really funny. I, I call it cartoon networks invader Zim. Because, you know, both of them have Richard Horvitz in it. So I, I thought I, I did really enjoy this show. Yeah. Cool. Uh, number six in this list is Ed, Ed and Eddie. I've never seen this show. Um, I have seen this show and uh, I think it's hilarious. So Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, I've heard a lot of people talking about it, and they've been requesting me that be I would watch this show. I mean, it's it was the longest running Cartoon Network show until Adventure Time took it over, and it lasted for nine years. It had a TV movie that completed the story that came out years after it ended its run, mm -hmm. and it features a lot of like weird characters that that you know hang around in a cul-de-sac, and then in the later seasons they go to school. So I know about that part, but I've never seen any. So the idea, of the, show. the whole premise of the show is Ed, Ed and Eddie basically trying to run like a bunch of scams because they want jawbreakers, and uh, so well that's kind of like yeah. trying to scam. I you know, I know you don't call it jawbreakers in the UK. What do you call it? Uh, I think we call them jawbreakers too. Oh, you do call them jawbreakers. I think okay. we do, yeah. So, like, you know, the, the balls are like, you know, you put them in your yeah, mouth and like, you have yeah, to, exactly, you know. yeah. Okay, I, I thought they had, I, just, I thought you guys had another name for it. I, know, I think they're definitely called jawbreakers, if I was unaware. So, okay, yeah. yeah. So, but, I, I have heard about this show, I'm familiar with it, but I've just never seen an episode. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, number five in this list is Johnny Bravo. Oh, interesting. I mean, not, don't get me wrong, I do enjoy Johnny Bravo, but I always thought that it would have been a little lower on the list. Yeah, well, I mean, originally, Johnny Bravo was supposed to be an Elvis impersonator, and yes. uh, it was done, I think, uh, for well, the creators, like, uh, you know, college projects that, that he had then. But uh, then they decided to change it up, and they basically made him into Johnny Bravo. And uh, yeah. so um, in the original uh, pilot that they had in What a Cartoon, uh, he was, he was say, trying to find, like, a, a, an escaped you know, monkey that had uh, got out of Gorilla. 
And uh, so, and uh, then uh, he ended up kind of like you know, having a date with like, you know, the guy tried to uh, kind of mug him, things like that. So like, uh, mm -hmm. yeah, it was, it was really crazy there. But uh, it then went off onto its own thing. And by the way, Johnny Bravo, I mean, I mean, today they wouldn't necessarily get away with it. I mean, like, because uh, I mean, it wasn't until later season that Johnny Bravo kind of like was uh, given the opportunities. Like, you know, he ended up kind of like changing gender and uh, he's like, or was it like, you know, if you were like, you know, womanized, being womanized and things like that. And so I think then he uh, be kind of evolved as a character by them. I think by then it would have been too late. I think if he was brought out in, you know, in today. But you know, sure. back in the day when we were a bit less politically correct, I think uh, Johnny Bravo was the man. Like you know, he was uh, a guy who was like you know, he was he was like on the first surface he was like you know this big strong guy who was like you know what you think was like you know getting all the women, but in the actual fact he was like this loser who like lived with his mom. So like mm -hmm. uh, you know, it was just it was. Uh, so there was that whole dynamic, which was uh, and uh, which was kind of fun to play with. And then after that, he got a uh, spin he got a uh, crossover with uh, the with Scooby Doo. And so yes, think, that's uh, one of my favorite episodes. By the that way, is, that is one of my all time favorite episodes. I mean, funny enough, like uh, I was watching this, and uh, you know, my dad just thought it was all stupid, and then he saw Scooby Doo, which he'd grown up with, and he was like, "Oh, hang on a second. And then he found that episode hilarious with me. So like, yeah, that was <laughs> one of the very many chuckles that me and my dad had with uh, with watching Cartoon Network at that time. So like, that's uh, great. Very few, I have to say, because you know the cartoons he didn't really understand that I used to watch back in the day. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, they almost fun. they almost were really close to making a Johnny Bravo movie, and Dwayne the Rock Johnson was going to be Johnny Bravo. I heard about that. You know, interesting to see where you know Dwayne Johnson's career would have gone if he actually played Johnny Bravo. Like, that would have uh, been really interesting. Yeah, I mean, it's too late for him now. I mean, I think he's uh, I think he's far too old for the character. But uh, I mean, like, uh, um, and by the way, they couldn't bring Johnny Bravo back today. I don't think. Yeah, think they 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 wouldn't, especially with the whole cancel culture thing. I think that yeah, I don't think well, that'll be. I mean, possible. I have my own opinions about cancel. Uh, Council culture, quote unquote. But uh, I mean, uh, in regards to John, I mean, here's the thing about uh, you know, Johnny Bravo became so big, like he had his own thing called the Big Bravo, which was like uh, he had his own breakfast show where he would like you know talk with you know people, and he was he even did live calls. You know, like, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you, people talk about you know, Homer Live being like, oh, wow, like, you know, Homer Simpson's kind of got you know, talks in like, you know, in live and things like that. But, you know, like uh, before then, like the bit, you know, Johnny Bravo had been doing the big Bravo before then and was talking with people on, on, on air as him. Yeah. So, like, it yeah. wasn't a new concept that Homer Simpson did, you know, with the Simpsons or anything like that. Johnny Bravo was doing it decades before Homer Simpson did it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. The whole Simpsons did a joke is not going to work here. No, definitely not. Like, yeah, Johnny yeah Bravo but did uh, it. I. I <laughs> yeah, and also Craig um, worked on this show uh, in its later seasons because, you know, around that time he was working on the uh, the party wagon pilot. Yeah, he was in Cartoon Network Fold at that point. So Yeah, yeah, he was. I, I even talked about it in the History of Hair on the Jungle movie where he'd worked on like five, he wrote five episodes of Johnny Bravo. So, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I, I think that... Um, it's a pretty solid show. I know that, you know, maybe may, may not be politically correct by today's standards, but, you know, for what Johnny Bravo was able to showcase, I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. Maybe if they did another season of the show, I think they probably put it in Adult Swim. Maybe. Possibly. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. And also major shout out to Jeff Bennett, who was able to play Johnny Bravo really well. I mean, he was able to bring so much personality into him. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> right, um, do the monkey with me. <laughs> do the monkey with me. Come on. All right. Um, number four in this list is Steven Universe. Okay, I've seen every episode of Steven Universe, and I've even seen Steven Universe Future. I've seen the movie. 
um, I know that uh, for a lot of people, Steven Universe can be pretty polarizing because, you know, some people say that, oh, you know, the later seasons just went too far or it got like really um, out of hand with its storytelling. But I really enjoyed the show. So Steven Universe is about a kid named Steven and he's raised with the Crystal Gems. And there's like this really interesting story going on involving with like the different universes of the Crystal Gems and, you know, the planet that they used to live in right before they landed on Earth and they were supposed to take it over. And then you go over to the story about his mom, Rose Quartz, and his father, um, Mr. Universe or, or Greg Universe, as he's called. And yeah, there's uh, it, it definitely plays into like a combination of like science fiction and slice of life and uh, great musical tones, great animation. Um, Rebecca Sugar, who worked on Adventure Time prior, worked on this show, and it is, um, you know, the, the, the good moments are absolutely great. I mean, you have like a lot of action moments, you have a lot of great song numbers, um, you have like interesting twists and turns into the series. And yeah, I mean, at the same time, it can be really laid back, it can be calming, it can be relaxing, but at the same time, it can be really poignant and it can be really heartwarming and touching. And it can be really, really sad at points. There's a lot of like really sad moments that people still bring up to this day. So, yeah, Steven Universe is definitely one of the more modern classics on Cartoon Network. Well, they didn't shy away from like, you know, because uh, I mean, do you remember when, um, I mean, the only time when they, I remember PTSD being sort yes. of like introduced was kind of like, you know, when it happened to Tony Stark in Iron Man. And like, you know, he yes, actually was right. badly yeah. affected by some of the stuff that happened in Avengers. And yeah. then, but then the next character after that was Steven Universe. Cause yeah, like, he so, um, yeah, so I remember when the, I remember when that episode of Steven Universe Future came out and we talked about it in the Aramita show, but we didn't know the context. Now I know what the context is and it is brutal to say the least because of all the stuff that was revealed about his mom, all the stuff that was, uh, you know, happening in terms of like the world almost being destroyed by white diamond and yellow diamond and blue diamond and the, plot twist involving with pink diamond i know what the context is and man for a kid having to go through all of that it is brutal no mm. wonder he had to go through so much of that stress in his life because i mean pretty much you know everybody thought that he was his mother everybody wanted to say he's rose we need to bring rose back you know who is this steven kid we don't care about him we want rose back but you kind of understand he's not his mother he's himself she gave up her life so that she can be able to have steven and she's never coming back but then you realize about rose wasn't exactly the sweet person that we've seen in the memories no she had a darker side she screwed up everybody she was she wanted to concentrate more on herself and you know on her happiness and because of that she ruined the lives of all of her friends she ruined greg's life she ruined spinel's life she ruined the diamond's life she was a selfish person but i mm. like that i like that you know the the fact that one of the protagonists that we never see in the series had a bit of a darker side and was able to affect everybody and uh, you know of all the repercussions that went through it and it's really really tragic when you think about it and there's so many amazing moments that people still talk about in the show and you know all the great characters like obviously Steven and the crystal gems and lapis lazuli and peridot and the diamonds and all those characters so yeah I mean a lot of people still fondly remember this show and you know when Steven Unif 
universe future ended and, and you know and, and it had like the bittersweet notes and people are still wondering will rebecca sugar come back to do more steven universe and right now she's in a break right now she's going through a, a hiatus and well i don't I blame think, her to be honest i mean like leaving it the fact that steven universe uh, is just going out to kind of like find himself and just yes. leaving things i mean to be honest i mean like it kind of reminds me of uh, you know the uh, um you know the um oh what was that what's that uh what was that Doctor Seuss movie, uh, book? Um, the um, the one about uh, uh, the Lorax. There we go. The so Lorax, uh, yeah, yeah. You kind of you know like uh, the kid leaves with the seed and goes off like you know wondering like you know what's what's going to happen in the future. Like maybe they should just kind of like maybe do like a Doctor Seuss kind of like thing on like you know leave Steven Universe off to travel out and figure out find out himself and figure out you know in the end whether he's going to you know sort himself out or not. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, to be quite honest, no I mean, he was that. under the Crystal Gems' shadow for so long, and he didn't really know about who he was. I mean, he never went to school, and, um, you know, he didn't live off a normal childhood because we found out that, well, Greg, you know, he felt that his life was so restricted, and so he ran away, and he wanted to live off his own free will, and, um, you know, he never wanted to have Stephen go through the same thing, but then that affected him because Stephen never had a real childhood to begin with because he never went to school. And, you know, he didn't know as much of Connie. I mean, Connie was going to go off into college and, you know, Stephen, he didn't know what he was going to be doing. And so he needed to find himself and he needed to be away from his dad. He needed to be away from the crystal gems. So, you know, everything was perfectly normal. You know, the crystal gems and all of the other creatures were like, you know, building their worlds together and they were going to live off their happy lives. So it's like they didn't need Stephen as a hero anymore. And he just needed to be himself. And so the fact that he that he left at the end to find himself, that was a, that was a great way to end it off. I mean, I know that a lot of people felt that it was rushed and all that kind of stuff, but I think it ended just perfectly fine. And if we never see another continuation of Steven Universe, then I don't think we need one. I think it, was, it ended just the way it needed to. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, we're up to the top three now. So, um, so num- the, this one I do agree with. Uh, number three in this list is Courage the Cowardly Dog. Okay, I have to admit, I've only seen the pilot of Courage the Cowardly Dog with the chicken from outer space. And that one was creepy. It was really creepy. I'm surprised that I never got to see any other episodes after that because I thought that that was a really cool short. It was one of my favorite what a cartoon shorts, but I never got to see the others. So I really want to marathon through the show, even though that I know that I have from what I've seen in clips online that, you know, like the the different animation styles, like the CG and all that kind of stuff was like really creepy. But now it would kind of like be like, oh, this is this is like poorly Pretty animated tame, nowadays. Yeah. Like compared to yeah. everything else that we've seen. So I mean, yeah. the Cowley Dog, yeah, like uh, I've seen a couple of episodes, and uh, yeah, it is, uh, it is a really creepy show. Like it's, uh, it's one for Halloween. I'll definitely tell you that if you want to make oh, a show, yes. you definitely want to go for Courage the Cowley Dog. Also, keep in mind, like you know, this show is not just long and forgotten. Like just recently, he crossed over with Scooby Doo. So yes. like, uh, yeah, so like, there's, there's, people are still interested in Courage the Cowardly Dog, and uh, whether he's going to come back and do more stuff, you know, uh, somewhere down the line, I'm not too sure. But uh... I mean, he has been saying that he want that he has more ideas for Courage the Cowardly Dog, and he even pitched it to Cartoon Network. But very similar to like, you know, Codename Kids Next Door and uh, Bill and Billy and Mandy, which I forgot to mention by the way, uh, the creator even wanted to bring back Millie and Mandy, and he has a whole bunch of ideas for it. He didn't even released concept art for it, but Cartoon Network was like saying no because the new generation of kids don't know anything about these. Shows shows and very similar reason they can't i know it's stupid it's like they're up it's almost like it's almost like we we don't have the internet or something you know like uh, (laughs) what a joke it really is Uh, yeah yeah yeah. but exactly and you know they they have ideas of what they want to do if they brought the shows back 
they just need Cartoon Network's permission. And they're still saying no, which is idiotic to say the least because people want to see these shows again. Okay. Number two in this list, and I'm really surprised this is not number one. Number two is the Powerpuff Girls. Wow, really? Now I'm really curious to see what number one is. So yes, I've talked about the Powerpuff Girls before. I did a podcast on it. The Powerpuff Girls is one of my all-time favorite Cartoon Network shows. I loved watching it when I was younger. I remember seeing it on What a Cartoon. Like the moment that I saw it, I knew I was going to love it immediately because it wasn't every day that I got to see female superheroes. And I even mentioned this in- yeah, an episode about that too. Yes, there was an episode about that. And I even mentioned it in my Cyber 6 video about the episode where the girls were talking to the um, the the female villain and saying, like, you know, where are the female superheroes? Where are they at? Wow, have times changed so drastically where we have so many female superheroes. And I'm really happy for that. Anyway, but yeah, Powerpuff Girls was a great animated series. It had a lot of great humor. It had a lot of great action, great characters. And it was the starting point for Craig McCracken. And uh, yeah, it's still a hilarious show, still holds up amazingly well. And the idea of the Powerpuff Girls was not just to like be a superhero show. It was also to kind of like poke fun at like, you know, the the idea of like being superheroes. Like, you know, they they still have to go to school. They still have to like be back before bedtime. And like, yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of people say like, oh, but Spider-Man, you know, he's a kid who goes to school and has to deal with all that kind of stuff. Well, imagine if Spider-Man was a six year old. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, it was poking fun of like all like the, uh, the, you know, the tropes at that time. Like, you know, can you actually, you know, oh, we got called out so many times. Like, you know, it's uh, getting you know, tiresome now. And like, uh, then it's like, uh, then you got the mayor who is uh, not very smart at all. And you got like yeah, some of the police is not, yeah. are not capable of like, you know, doing their job. So that's the reason why they're always cons- constantly there as all. Well. Also, there was a, uh, there was the controversial episode of like uh, with the gnome where like, you know, it was like, you know, oh, was, feel like, me, a- see me, know me. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So that, that was that one too. And, uh, you know, so like, you know, it's been through controversies, it's been through narratives, it's like, uh, it is like, uh, well, I would definitely agree, it's up there as like one of the, at least the top five shows, if, you know, not number one. Oh, absolutely, yes. It's it's definitely right up there to the point in which in 2016, they said, let's make a reboot of it. And we all regretted it afterwards. Yep. Yep. Right, number one. And actually, now that I look at it, I probably shouldn't be too surprised. Number one in BuzzFeed's top 25 best Cartoon Network shows of all time is Adventure Time. That's not a surprise. So I've seen all 10 seasons of Adventure Time. I've seen Adventure Time Distant Lands. You guys can check it out on my podcast. And Adventure Time was a massive game changer. You have no idea what Cartoon Network was going through when the show came out. So I've done a lot of Adventure Time videos. Nickelodeon turned it down. (laughs) Five times. Five times they turned it down because it wasn't according to their branding and because they felt that the show was too weird Mm. and it bit them in the ass really, really hard. Yeah, this show beats SpongeBob SquarePants on a couple of occasions. Oh, Mm. man. Okay, where do I start with this? Okay, so here's the thing. So... Um, it in the early seasons, it was definitely very light. It was funny. It was weird. It definitely had a, akin to like Dungeons and Dragons, very adventurous and traveling around into different parts of Ooh. But then around the later seasons, that was when Pendleton Ward left and then Adam Muto took over and it took it into a direction where it was focusing on story and character development and delving more into the psyches of the characters. And uh, it's very 
very poignant to say the least. I mean, there's so many moments that a lot of people still remember. They always talk about Ice King's memories. They always talk about Marceline's backstory. They yeah. always talk about Finn's past with, you know, the fact that his dad was like this cheating scoundrel and that his mom, you know, her memories were put into a computer so that she can be able to save um, the people who were dying from a pandemic. Um, you know, there, there was like so many moments about like, um, you know, with, uh, Jake finding out that, you know, he, his past was also completely different as well. And, um, the, the great gum war is also a big moment and finding out about Simon and, um, Betty and Gulb and all these other weird creatures and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, there's a lot of really impactful moments. It's, it's kind of like a show that when you see it firsthand, it's like, oh, this is stupid and immature. It's like, there's a bunch of fart jokes in there. There's a lot of really dumb humor, but once you watch more of the seasons, it becomes really, really smart and impactful and poignant. And with Adventure Time Distant Lands, which they were able to continue on with and focusing on like the different characters, they were able to take the characters in new directions that I've never seen before. And it was able to play it off so well. The music is amazing, by the way. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of it written by Rebecca Sugar. I mean, she wrote some of the best songs of Adventure Time. I mean, so much so, if you've seen on Instagram, um, you saw that... Um, you know, the, the um, Hugh Jackman, uh, who you may know as Wolverine, he wore a bacon pancakes shirt and he sung the bacon pancakes theme song. And then John DiMaggio, the voice of Jake, was like, oh, well, that's pretty good. I mean, I'm the one who sung it. And then uh, Hugh was like, oh, yeah, well, I'm going to bring these Broadway singers and we're going to sing the bacon pancakes theme song. So it's like this little song that Rebecca Sugar wrote in like one day or like a one week or something like that became like this huge Internet phenomenon phenomenon and then you know she also wrote i remember you she wrote i'm just your problem she wrote everything stays and you know a lot of the other music that was being featured in the show is also amazing slow dance and woke up and monster and eternity with you like it's amazing i mean if you want to know about like where some of the the quintessential people who worked on the show that went off to do other shows came from it's Adventure Time. You have Steven Universe. You have OKKO. You have Over the Garden Wall. You have Regular Show, briefly. But even then, like, I mean, I'm not surprised that this is number one because of everything that it did. Yeah, so. I think with Adventure Time as well, I think uh, it was one of the very few shows that said, look, this is about story and this is about characters. This is not about, yeah. you know, flashy animation or turning it 3D or anything like that. Like, you no. know, that, that became secondary. The idea was to tell a story and to tell and build a world around that story and to, yeah. to have great characters around that. And I think what Adventure Time did, I think uh, it really did. And I'm not saying that it's not the the show that did it, but I think it was one of the very few shows that said, look, let's go back to basics. I think, you know, everyone's talking about, you know, putting stuff in 3D and like, you know, having loud music and like having like, you know, just outrageous characters and just like, yeah, you know, yeah, just kind of yeah. like... A, I mean, that, that was like the mindset of like, um, you know, uh, Mike Laszlo, who worked on uh, Adult Swim, talking about like, you know, adult cartoons don't have to worry about having a lavish budget and like beautiful animation and kids cartoons just need to be loud and colorful. So it's like, 
yeah, I think that Pendleton Ward was like, let's just go back to the drawing board and find out what we can be able to do to, you know, bring things in perspective. Yeah, I just think that also, well, I mean, my favorite scene of all time, I think, has to be like Jake when he finds the dancing bug and like, you know, I, think I love that, that scene game. so but much. I mean, and, and, the, and the context is, is that, you know, Finn was trapped by gnomes and he was trying to run a generator so that they can be able to, um, you know, power up their machine. And then you have Jake, who's like completely uh, sidetracked of like, wait, Finn, where's Finn? And then he sees a dancing bug. It's like, oh, I can dance with you. And the context is hilarious. Out of context is hilarious. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, actually, funny enough, they actually put that in YouTube poop. So, like, uh, there's if you notice, there's um, if you, there's a bit where Shaggy, you know, the bit in the beach and Scooby Doo when they're dancing on the beach, and uh, then, I remember, and Shaggy, yeah. yeah, he's shaking it all wrong, and like this this whole like ten hour loop of like you know, Shaggy just like waving his arms around on this oh like God. wave music. <laughs> Oh, that was hilarious! Um, yeah, Adventure yeah. Time just is like uh, the the cartoon show. Like uh, I love it so much. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's a amazing. it's a great Cartoon Network show. I mean, I, I here's the thing. I know that Adventure Time is not for everyone. It can be like too weird for a lot of people. I get it. You know, even people who like genuinely seen Adventure Time is like it's not for me. And you know what? I understand that. But for those who have not seen Adventure Time and you're just like saying, oh, but this show looks weird give it a chance seriously give the show a chance you'll be really surprised at what direction the show goes into okay um okay patricia i'll give you the floor on this one because uh, i think uh, you know you've done peace and peace a lot more than i have done so uh yes. Ju- judy graft who uh, played uh joyce wiggly in the show has sadly passed away yeah um, this was a this was a surprise because no news article has reported on this the reason why i knew about it was because chris viscardi who is the co-creator of pete and pete posted it up on his instagram page and so i shared it on social media and then a few days later everybody started sharing this and you know even for here's the thing pete and pete has always been like a cult classic in terms of like nickelodeon shows it's not like one of the dan schneider shows that everybody remembers so um yeah i think that the fact that a person who um was on pete and pete you know had passed away and it, it's it's sad to say the least it was the mom and um you know a lot of people really love the mom character you know she was like really quirky she was fun she had a metal plate on her head to the point in which in the intro they always mentioned the metal plate on her head as like a character sure why not anyway but yeah she was um she was a great great character in pete and pete she was very loving and supporting but at the same time she was strict and she was trying to be the mom of the show and there was even this one episode uh, that's probably my favorite episode, the Nightcrawlers, where little Pete wanted to stay up all night. And, you know, he wanted to break the record of staying up all night. And he did so for like multiple nights. And, you know, he even started off his little group called the Nightcrawlers, where they would just stay up all night and play games and all that kind of stuff, because, you know, he didn't want to go to sleep at 830 in, in, at night and he wanted to have a new bedtime. And so at the end of the episode, um, Pete and his mom had an agreement that, hey, you know, why don't we just move your bedtime up to a little bit later, but you still need to go to sleep. And that was a great moment because it's like they were able to understand each other and they were able to make a compromise as opposed to saying, I'm the mom, you have to do what I say. No, they were able to make an agreement with each other and saying that, you know what, I mean, I know that you're growing up and I know that, um, you know, you feel like you are restricted with things, but at the same time, you have responsibilities and I'm doing this for your own good. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of 
have great moments like that. And I'm, I mean, even uh, Danny and Mike, um, you know, the guys who uh, played as both Pete and Pete, they do their own podcast called The Adventures of Danny and Mike. And they even mentioned um, the passing of Judy Grafe and they even had her in one of their episodes. And um, yeah, I mean, it's just so sad to know that she's gone now. I mean, um, I, I never got to meet her. I mean, I met the other people at the um at the slimed book event almost 10 years ago where, you know, I got my book and I got it autographed. I met the, um, I met the dad. I met both Danny and Mike. I've, um, I, I, I even spoke to Will McRobb over the years, you know, I had him on my podcast and I even reviewed a kid called mayonnaise on Amazon prime for him. And, you know, we've, been in touch on and off over the years, but I've, um, I never got the chance to meet Judy and I'm sad that I never will. So yeah. Mm. It kind of reminds me of like, uh, you know, when, when, when Steve Vixen passed away and uh, there was barely little news about that really, except, you know, except for all the fan sites. And so it's just, yeah, exactly. it's, it's, it's kind of sad really lads. So, you know, these, uh, these people who meant a lot to us, I think in our childhood years who, you know, we watched and uh, were entertained by and, uh, you know, just, it's, uh, unfortunately they don't, reach that kind of like that summit of like uh, you know uh, say for example like i guarantee you like you know when uh, keenan thompson passes passes away i guarantee you, i think uh you know all the news sites are going to like say you know oh, you know do tributes for him and everything like that but you know like i say for example unfortunately you know like say for example kel mitchell passes passes away would he get the same sort of like you know treatment as T- keenan thompson would be you know, I don't if he goes so. away i know that's, that's which is sad... a shame too because you know kel mitchell even though that he you know, he his acting career went in a different direction compared to Keenan's. I mean, he still was major in or when he did his um, film and television. Oh, yeah, I mean, he he got a stand up routine and also got his own church. So like, you know, he had no reason to kind of like you know say, oh hey, I'm going to do like all these big you know these big shows. Like you know, he had no reasons to do so. Like you know, I guess that's uh... true. And also, you know, he's focusing on his family, which is also very important too. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So like, I don't think he was in a situation where he could just like you know up and go. You know, like uh, and, uh, I guess you know, that's do... true. Yeah. Yeah. So like you know, different strokes, different folks, unfortunately. That's that's uh, true. I mean, you know, he became successful in his own right, but I guess in, according to media, you know, he won't be as successful as as Keenan if he was able to pass away. Yeah. So like, it's just it's uh, so unfortunately, there's going to be some people who you know will just fall off the will just fall off the radar, and uh, you know, unfortunately, we won't. You know, unless you listen to shows like this, you'll never hear that they're gone. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think I was like one of the first people other than like the people who worked on the show who even posted it on Twitter. And, you know, I've, I got, I gotten like, a, you know, a few likes and a few retweets and all that kind of stuff. But then that was when the, 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 the spread of the, um, the news started happening. And then a lot of people started like posting about like, oh, I didn't know that the mom died. It's yeah. yeah. But, you know, like, I think that it's, it's a shame can... that, you know, these these media posts don't like get up to date about like all of these people who pass away. I mean, I understand that Pete and Pete was never in like the top of the live action shows compared to like all that or are you afraid of the dark or anything like that. But it, it was still important for a lot of people. Yeah. Well, like it's kind of like, uh, you know, back in the day when, uh, you know, you were watching wrestling and uh, you wouldn't know that a particular professional wrestler had passed away unless, you know, you'd read you'd read the uh the you know the 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 magazine or like you know the subscription that you got you know that or yeah, the yeah, email yeah. you know the the email that you got from like you know from people who report on this type of stuff exactly yeah. you know like uh, it's uh, unfortunately you know even though we've got like you know massive amounts of social media you know we have the internet now readily available you know the click of a you know click of a phone like uh, it's just unfortunately there's some people who just still don't get to the point where it's kind of like oh hey you know there's uh, this is really sad and uh you know everyone should know about it but uh you know they just it's uh you think yeah, so yeah obviously some people on social media have picked up on it and also that's you know that's uh, that's, that's wonderful but unfortunately you know the uh 
the mainstream just you know is uh, not at a point where they want to report on it, which is kind of sad, really. I know so, it is really, really sad. Yeah. So our thoughts and prayers going to uh, friends and family of uh, of Judy, and uh, you know she was. Uh, yeah, I'm sure her and her plate were very entertaining. So absolutely uh, yes. Yeah. Okay, uh, we are moving on to the video game section of our show. Um, we are going to talk about Jack and Daxter, uh, the yes. uh, precursor legacy. It has turned 20 years old today. So mm -hmm. uh, um, while I uh, slowly nip to the bathroom, um, why don't you tell everybody about this particular PlayStation exclusive and uh, sure thing. how good it is. So. All right, then. So uh, for those who don't know, uh, Jack and Daxter was a video game that came out around 2001 for the PlayStation 2. Uh, and it's actually funny because it also is the anniversary of the original PlayStation. <laughs> How serendipitous. Anyway, so uh, this was the second series that was released by Naughty Dog. Uh, you probably know them for releasing the Crash Bandicoot series. And also later on, they would do The Last of Us. So uh, Jack and Daxter focuses on... Um, a young teenager named Jack and his companion named Daxter. And they're trying to collect power cells so that they can be able to turn Daxter back to normal. So he fell into a vat of dark eco, uh, which dark eco is like very venomous in the series. So uh, for the, I guess I should explain what eco is. So eco is kind of like different um, energy forms that can be able to do multiple things. So green eco is health. Blue eco can make you run really, really fast. Red eco is for punching and for major powers um, that can make your ability stronger. And then dark eco is what's very deadly. If you touch it, you die. So Daxter fell into the dark eco and he turns into an otzel, which is a combination of an otter and a weasel. So the point of the game in the beginning is that um, they want to be able to see Gaul the sage, who is the dark sage. So there are different sages. And you are very close to Samos, who is the green sage, who is the one who cares for the green ego. And so you have to be able to go over to these different realms of the different sages and try to see if you can be able to find Gaul, the dark sage, so that you can be able to have Daxter turn back into regular um, his regular form. And so uh, the other sages have disappeared and you're trying to find out what happened to them. So um, you go over to the different realms by collecting power cells and collecting precursor orbs. And power cells are the ones that kind of like power up the technology in this particular world. Precursor orbs are kind of like money. They're kind of like the coins in Super Mario Brothers or the jiggies in Banjo-Kazooie or the bananas in Donkey Kong. So you collect them so that you can be able to get the power cells. You're trying to get power cells so that you can be able to power up certain equipment. And uh, throughout the game, you're able to fight off various bosses and you're able to go over to like these different sections of the world and you're able to um, find out what is going on in the story. You're able to find out that Gaul is the bad guy throughout the entire time and he kidnap the sages so that he can be able to have dark eco as like the main eco in the world and that's going to basically kill everything so um yeah basically as jack and daxter you're supposed to stop gall right before he destroys the world with dark eco and this was the series that um has pretty become overlooked in Naughty Dog. I mean, everybody knows them for Crash Bandicoot. Everybody knows them for The Last of Us. But the Jack and Daxter series has always been like the middle child. And it's a shame because it was a great 3D platformer. And it would be the only 3D platformer because after this, they changed directions because Jack 2 focuses on 
sandbox and shooting. And then the third game was about, um, you know, racing. And then the fourth game was a racing game, actually. The, the I'm sorry, uh, Jack X was the racing game. Jack 3 um, combines a little bit of racing, but at the same time also has like a Mad Max style where you go into the desert after Jack was banished from the city. It's a long story. I'll just let you know. I did a podcast of it many years ago called the Naughty Dog Podcast when The Last of Us first came out. So go listen to that. And uh, yeah, uh, the first time that I played this game was when I got it as a bundle with this and Ratchet and Clank, which I did talk about Ratchet and Clank in another podcast. So go listen to that. So yeah, I got this in a bundle. I played both of them back to back. I love them because they were just, I was always a huge fan of platformer games. I, I loved Spiral the Dragon and I loved Crash Bandicoot. And knowing that these were the same people who did Crash Bandicoot, I thought I would love this game. And I did. And I followed the series all the way through. So yeah, the, the first Jack and Daxter is a great game. Um, I I actually own it on um, the PlayStation Network, so all I need to do is get a PlayStation 4 or PlayStation 5, and I can be able to play these games. So, yeah, they're still great games, and the fact that it celebrated its 20th anniversary is a great celebration for it. Cool. I was trying to remember the last time I bought a bundle game. Like, uh, good grief. Like, uh, that must have been... Uh... You know, I guarantee you, I I, saw, I think something will come back in memory, but uh, I think the last time I bought a bundle game was probably... Oh, I don't know if it was the Mega Game 6 for, like, uh, you know, the Sega Genesis, or if it was the uh, Super Mario Brothers All-Stars for, like, uh, you know, the uh, for Super Nintendo. Like, the uh, last time that I bought a bundle was the uh, Sega Genesis Classic Collection on Steam, where I yeah. own, like, 20 games from the Sega Genesis. So that was, like, almost uh, five years ago that I bought it. I, mean, I bought Half-Life 2, but does that count as a bundle? Like, I mean, like... I you, mean, yeah. you're talking about the orange box, right? No, not the orange box. Like, I mean, you downloaded it off Steam. I mean, I got the disc version of it, but then Steam came out after that, but then it came with, like, a bunch of, like, Deathmatch Classic and Team Fortress Classic and things like that. Like, um, yeah, that would be considered a bundle, yeah. I mean, Maybe. you know, the orange box is considered a bundle because it has um team fortress it has portal and it has half-life 2 so that's considered a bundle and um if you're able to have half-life 2 and you have like the team fortress classic and all those games then yeah i guess that would be considered a bundle as well because it has multiple games in it no i then well i guess i own a bundle so uh... well, there you go <laughs> there we go okay um Nintendo Switch is going to be getting two PlayStation exclusives next year. Not too sure if, uh, uh, Patricia, I'm not sure if you've uh, managed to look at that article or not. But uh, um, uh, I have not, but I'm actually just genuinely curious about this because here's the thing. And I know that this has happened like at least since the 90s in which like you have all these like major video game companies that would only like release games on like one console because Nintendo had this really strict exclusivity deal. And it's like you have to release it on these consoles and you you can't do it on the uh, the competing ones because we want you to have it. We want you we want your games to come out on our system. And so when the PlayStation came out and they saw how much power they were doing compared to the Nintendo 64 they were like, you know what? Screw this. Let's just leave and uh, let's just go release the games over there. So that's why you have Square leaving over to do like Final Fantasy VII on the PlayStation and Konami leaving over to do Castlevania Symphony of the Night for the PlayStation, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, this is not new news to say the least, but the fact that the Nintendo Switch is going to be having like PlayStation games, I mean... Um, I'm just genuinely curious. What are the PlayStation games that are going to be coming out for this? Okay, here we go. So um, the two exclusive games, or no longer exclusive, I guess you can say, are 13 Sentinels Aegis Rim. Mm -hmm. And uh, the next one is Dodhack forward slash forward slash GU Last Recode. 
Okay. I am not familiar with either of those games. I mean, I do know somebody who is a huge dot hack fan, but uh, yeah, they've always been PlayStation games. You're right. I mean, they have been so for almost 20 years, uh, at least dot hack was as for the other one, uh, 13 Sentinels. I'm not familiar with it, but yeah, I mean, okay, so I'm genuinely the 13 Sentinels. So, so vanilla where the storytellers behind uh, Odin sphere and uh, dragon's crown uh, craft. A oh, sci-fi Odin mystery. Sphere. I'm familiar with Odin sphere. Yeah. Yeah. So a sci-fi mystery spanning 13 intertwining stories of 13, uh, 13 Sentinels uh, with a Metacritic score of uh, 86. Uh, 13 Sentinels won praise for critics all over the world. Uncover the truth and delve into a 2d si uh, side scrolling adventure f featuring uh, gorgeous art and environments. Uh, then battle with uh, Kaiju in uh, fast paced top down combat. Uh, customized sentinels with the arsenal of uh, mech suit weaponry and fight to defend humanity of course mm. so and uh, the dot hack game uh, according to this last recode uh, log back into dot hacker gu trilogy and return to the quote-unquote the world as a uh, hazio uh, tracks down a uh, tri eagle in dot hacker uh, gu last recode now with enhanced graphics improved gameplay and brand new modes uh, this collection includes three original dot hack gu titles rebirth Reminiscence and Redemption, and fully restored mm -hmm. and remastered, as well as oh, wow. an all new exclusive fourth volume, Dot Hack GU Re Reconnection. So, wow, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah, so four for the price of three. So, hmm. cool. And Eight. they are going to be on the Nintendo Switch, trying to get, get, try and get the date for you, actually, in, uh, next year, actually. So, it's okay, going to be right. oh, April 22nd, 2022. Okay. So, cool. I hope you're all happy with them. So. Yeah. Okay, so speaking of PlayStation, uh, PlayStation is reportedly going to be taking on Xbox Game Pass with a new subscription service in spring. So, for those of you who are not aware of Xbox Game Pass, basically what it is, you pay a certain amount uh, a month or a certain amount a year, and uh, then you basically uh, get access to, like, a, a lot on subscription, a bunch of Xbox games. And so the Game Pass gives you an option to, like, play all a bunch of games. You just got to keep uh, paying the subscription. And so um, I've never been a fan of subscription games, to be quite honest with you. Like, it's, um, I just feel like if I want to play a game, I'll actually want to own it. And then next time I want to come back to it, then I will be able to. So I don't like, I mean, I'm sort of kind of feel a bit iffy about, you know, downloadable media already. Like, you know, I actually feel like I want to own physical copies of games still but uh, i mean i guess if it's going to be popular if the xbox game pass has been popular enough for playstation to uh you know get interested in possibly doing that then i guess uh, that's what they're going to do so um the playstation um version of game pass i think is uh, going to be um that is what they're reportedly looking at so sony is going to be working with this as well. So, according to Bloomberg's uh, Jason Stryer, he says uh, the reports on the new project, uh, codenamed uh, Spartacus and expected to launch in spring 2022, will provide subscribers with access to a range of both modern and classic uh, for monthly fees. Uh, citing uh, sources familiar with the project, as well as documents that have been revealed directly, Bloomberg say that the launch of the service will see Sony's two existing subscription, PlayStation subscription offerings, PlayStation Now and PlayStation Plus, merged into a single package, with a Sony retaining the PlayStation Plus brand while phasing out the PlayStation Now brand. Uh, currently, uh, Plus is required to play the majority of online games on PlayStation, and provides the subscribers with a small collection of games each month, while Now and enables members to stream and download both recent and older titles in the PlayStation catalog. Uh, so although details are still to be finalized, Bloomberg says that Sony's plan to offer a free subscription tiers, subscription tiers as its new service. The, world, the first 
would uh, would be functionally identical to the existing PlayStation Plus offering, while the second would give subscribers access to a large catalogue of PlayStation 4 and eventually PlayStation 5 games. However, PlayStation Now streaming functionality is planned to be uh, reserved for the third subscription tier, which will offer extended demos of uh, library classics, uh, PS1, PS2, PS3, and PSP games as well. So... Basically, the idea of this is is that uh, PlayStation is going to basically do a Game Pass, and uh, it will have a three tiers of subscriptions, and uh, the main the main tier will basically allow you to stream whatever game you want, and even including the classic library as well. Okay, well that sounds pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So, um, most recently, the company has extended its Game Pass Ultimate offerings. Uh, this is actually uh, Microsoft actually been doing this, which costs about ten ninety nine a month, and uh, compared to its seven ninety nine standard. So, I think uh, I think maybe Microsoft is aware of this, and they're going to start providing competition for it. So, yeah, I guess this is going to be the gaming version of the streaming wars. I guess. So, mm-hmm. uh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to be honest. Again, I'm not a fan of this type of stuff. I'd rather physically own a game. You know, rather than kind of like, oh, hey, pay your subscription, I'll you know, play whatever game you want. Like, it's just, uh, I don't know. I don't see myself trying to towards that, to be honest. Really. Well, I mean, that's that's fair. I mean, I know some people who um, prefer to have everything on, um, you know, streaming or downloads now. And, you know, some people still want to just preserve it. So I guess it, it, I, I see both good and bad merits on both of them. Hmm. Sorry, I just took a ring. Uh, <laughs> um, so... <laughs> Don't get me wrong, like, I've got a Steam account. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not against, like, you know, downloadable content, but uh, at the same time, I just think, you know, having a physical copy of something, I think, is also, you know, it's just as valuable because you actually own it. So, like, um, mm-hmm. it's, you know, I don't particularly like the idea of, like, uh, you know, oh, hey, this game lives on a server somewhere, and, like, you know, it could disappear someday. So. Yeah, I know, but at the same time, as we've talked about on the show, physical copies of certain video games can cost hundreds of dollars. And uh, some of them are really, really rare because they've been out of print for years. So, you know, uh, for a lot of people, they only can be able to purchase it on a streaming service or on a bundle, or um, if it's like put into like a peripheral or something. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's been harder and harder over the years to own physical copies of certain games. Like It's going to keep getting harder because uh, if you're WWE, you're going to be closing down their DVD and Blu-ray division. So, oh, really? Like, yeah, so like, uh, so, you know, now it's like the WWE network's going to be kind of like where you need to find stuff. Pretty much. Yeah, I mean, there you go. I mean, let's just say, oh, um, this particular wrestling match is is gone and you'll never get it again. But then, hey, you, it's on DVD and that's the, you know, that's how and then you see it's on on eBay for like five hundred dollars. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 a mixed bag, I would say, you know. Yeah. So, um, well, that seems to be the direction we're going in. Like, uh, again, like, you know, we talked about, like, some of our favorite animated shows. Like, you know, I really hope, like, you know, these shows like, you know, uh, Amphibia and Owl House and things like that. I really wish to hope they get Blu-ray releases. You know, like, uh, I, I would definitely watch that. Yeah, and and here's a thing about, like, physical releases when it comes to like movies and tv shows and you don't you don't get this at least i haven't seen it for streaming services is you don't get behind the scenes stories you don't get commentary you don't get animatics you don't get interviews i mean some of them do but most of them don't and i know that most i guess they lazily just think well like well in the advent of social media like you know they do podcasts and like stuff like this anyway so it's like kind of like you know all the behind the scenes stuff's eventually going to kind of come out stuff like that i guess that's true yeah 
Which is kind of sad, really. Like, you know, you don't want to, like, just say, oh, hey, I have to follow Dana on Twitter to, like, see what's going on behind these scenes of the Owl House. It's, like, it's not the same as, like, you know, a guy with a camera going around, like, watching them kind of, like, do all the stuff, you know? Exactly, like, exactly. And if you want to see, like, deleted stuff, it's like, I have to follow John Bailey Owen to see the deleted Owl Pellet that never got released because Disney thought it was too dark. Mm-hmm. So instead of, like, releasing it on DVD, where it's convenient for me to, like, go over to the menu and just click on deleted scenes or deleted animatics or anything of the sort, I have to, like, follow certain people on social media to learn about this stuff. I'm still on the fence about whether I believe the story that executives were hiding under the table after that, you know, uh... Uh, shot was uh, shown to them. I have no idea. I mean, I, I mean, that's I, that's what they said. I just think it's far fetched. I don't know. Like, it's just it's. Uh, I mean, surely, like, I don't know. I, again, to be a fly on the wall in that uh, in, in that room when that when that thing was aired. But uh, yeah, 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 I don't know. I just think it's uh, maybe that's just how scary scared they were. But I highly doubt they were actually physically hiding under the table. But I can't be proved wrong. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, again, and you if you want to be able to see some of the animatics, I mean, like, uh, you know, you have to go to Spencer Wan's YouTube channel to see the animatic of like all the stuff that he did for like Covention and Agony of the Witch. Or you have to go to Stu Livingston's YouTube channel so that you can be able to see the Gromf night dance so you have to go like to above and beyond if you want to be able to see like these particular scenes if you want to see like concept art you have to go to dana terrace's tumblr account so that you can be able to see like you know what the characters used to look like before the show was picked up so yeah, yeah everyone I mean, loves the beta versions of these characters as well they do like, yes yeah. like i see just like, as much that- I see just as much fan art of the beta versions as I do of the regular characters. Yeah. And also, if you want the uh, the music stuff as well, you have to go to that guy's YouTube channel. So. Yeah, you have to go to yeah, if you have to go to Brad Breek's YouTube channel so that you can be able to check out his stuff. You have to go to TJ Hill's like website so you can be able oh, to check how, out how his How cool demo. would it be if Enjoy the Tunes did like vinyl versions of those? Oh, oh, like, oh. yes. Those would go. They would definitely. They would. They would go in five minutes, just like the Hey Arnold uh, vinyl (laughs) records. (laughs) Uh, Grief. Okay. So uh, anyway, but uh, that's. I don't know how we got onto that after uh, the. Well, I mean, we were talking about like the. We were talking about like you know getting everything digitally. So I guess it does like. I guess it does kind of like correlate really well with. Anyway, sorry guys, video games. That's what we're supposed to be doing the second half of the show on. So, oh Patricia, have you seen the recently discovered screenshots of the canned Rayman Four game? No, I mean, I do know about like uh, around 10 years ago when there was like deleted stuff regarding about like these were the, what the levels look like and all that kind of stuff. But no, I have not. I know that they were working on a Rayman 4 because I'm I gonna had to see if I can send you this. And uh, I okay. don't know if it's uh, mind you, I'm just sending you, I'm just no, I don't think that's gonna work. Okay, well, while you Uh, do that, I am familiar with the concept of Rayman 4. So they released the first uh, three Rayman games. The first one was like a 2.5D side-scroller, and then two and three were 3D platformers. They were planning on doing a Rayman 4, but then the Rabbits became really, really popular. And then um, over the years, Rayman 4's concept art, from what I've seen in the levels, have been leaked online. And then um, the the game was canceled, and then it was put on hiatus for about a decade until eventually we got Rayman Origins and Rayman Legends. So okay, I have finally found it now, and actually, okay, Uh, okay, I have not seen these pictures yet. Um, I have seen the one of like the Candy Kingdom that was going to be from the first game into this one but 
Okay, so it definitely looks like something that you would see in Rayman's two and three, where it is a 3D platformer. So, wow, this actually looks really, really good, actually. Yeah, so the first one is like in some kind of like, I gotta be honest, it kind of reminds me of Worms a little bit. Like, it's kind of yeah, like, yeah, this one rocky definitely, world. I think this was, for, I think this was an old level from like the first or the second Rayman game with the, the painting. So I am familiar with this level. But yeah, yeah it looks really different from this perspective. Yeah. And then there's another one where it's like he dresses like a caveman or something like that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that in, I think depending on what level that you're at, Rayman does tend to change his clothes, kind of like Gex entered the Gecko, in which like every time that he's in a different world, he always has this change, clo- uh, his clothes change. So when was yeah. the last time we mentioned Gex? <laughs> i know right it's like uh hi uh welcome to aaron and patricia we talk about obscure 90s stuff (laughs) oh we do so that's um, true yeah and then the next one is like you know okay some kind of like you know um castle kind of like uh yeah yeah it it looks like something from dr seuss Mm -hmm. so yeah like i mean just looking at that rayman fall like a really cool game like, uh, yeah, yeah, it definitely looks like something that you would see in Rayman's two and three with the three D platforming. It's just, it's just a shame that Rayman four didn't get off the ground because of the rabbits basically taking over everything. Yeah, that's a shame. But uh, you know, we can always, we can, uh, mind you, who, who knows? Like, uh, you know, maybe something of this game might uh, end up leaking online, and then after that, it'll probably, like, you know, maybe released in some way. So you never know. I mean, that's true. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if there was like a beta version of the game that, you know, was being worked on and it was like 70% complete or something. And then if you remember you know, probably... uh, recently, I mean, I think it was, was it this year or maybe it was last year, like, you know, Dinosaur Planet leaked onto uh, onto there. And uh, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It did. It did leak online. You're right. Yeah, so uh, and then, you never know, maybe some crazy fan of all like, you know, get Unreal Engine out and probably like start building Rayman for himself and build it based on the concepts. So you know, mm-hmm. that's still mm-hmm. a possibility. So, possibly. Okay. Um, right. We're going to talk about Activision Blizzard in not very good terms. I think oh, we can say. No. So, uh, the first bit of news is that uh, Game Awards has announced they will have nothing to do with the show. Well, that's good. Uh, I just wish that Jeff Keighley would actually pick a side as to what he feels about Activision Blizzard because he's, he definitely did when Konami, you know, basically fired Kojima because they're buddy buddies. But no, apparently he has no say in this, but okay, sure. But okay, well, I mean, I'm glad that Activision Blizzard, you know, they're you know, not going to be involved with this. And I think that even Sony and Nintendo had even mentioned that they didn't want to be involved with the company either. So that's good. Yeah, like, uh, so I don't expect, uh, I mean, well, so Nintendo officially said that, and, you know, all the companies said, you know, we're not going to do any business with them ever again. I think they just, I think they just decided, uh, they were just going to, like, step away, you know? Yeah, so. But uh, I, I think that um, the fact I mean, that Activision going to add pressure, Blizzard... you know, like, you know, imagine Nintendo turning around to them and saying, yeah, Activision Blizzard, you know, stop being so shitty with people, like, we're going to, we're going to be done with you now. Yeah, yeah, I, I, it's, uh, it happened like a few weeks ago where Doug Bowser, the uh, president of Nintendo of America, he said this. Um, he considers the situation of Activision Blizzard to be distressing and disturbing. So according, uh, along with all of you, I've been following the latest developments with Activision Blizzard and the ongoing reports of sexual harassment and toxicity in the company. I find these distressing and disturbing. They run counter to my values as well as Nintendo's beliefs, values, and policies. Mm-hmm. And uh, just to add, uh, you know, uh, more pain into all of this, um, Jessica Gonzalez, who was uh, the person who led some of the protests uh, with Blizzard, has announced her resignation from the company. Well, well, good for her. And, you know, she deserves to go off and do bigger and better things. Mm -hmm. So uh, she did release a statement. So I'll I'll read this out. So um, 
My commitment to my future. This is according to Jessica Gonzalez. She uh, posted this on, uh, I think uh, it looks like it's on Slack. So, um, my commitment to my future. Hello, ABK. Unfortunately, this is my goodbye message. It's been a journey over the years, and I have made the decision to leave Blizzard by putting my well-being first. I have accepted an opportunity that is too good to pass up. Um, it, I'll still be moving into a senior quality engineering role for a financial tech company and out of the gaming development entirely. Uh, I regret that I could not meet my colleagues uh, under better circumstances, but I take our shared uh, vision of diversity, uh, equality, inclusion, and workers' rights uh, with me and value the work that we've done over my time here. Uh, for those of you thankful for my, for those of you thankful for my voice, I encourage you to find yours and use it. There are good people in the industry, and I believe that uh, with good enough education and awareness, ABK can be a great place to be. Uh, there's a lot of work to do still, but I'm mentally wounded from this fight. I've been gone long. I've been a long and exhausting road for change, but this isn't over. Don't forget what uh, many passionate developers worked hard towards and continue to work towards my ab in my absence. Let your passion and your passion for those around you uh, drive the spark that ignites meaningful change. I believe in good people in this company and I can't wait to see where you all can take it. Uh, to BKOTIC, okay, I don't know who that is. You're, oh, uh, oh yeah, I think that's, um, we know who that is. Uh, your inaction and refusal to take accountability is driving out great talent and the products will, products will suffer until you are removed from your position as CEO. Uh, may, this may seem harsh, but you've had years to fix your culture and look at where the company currently stands. My last day is December 10th. Every voice matters. Jessica Gonzalez. Wow. So, so basically, she kicked the CEO on the way on the way out the door. So. Well, I mean, like I said, I mean, I hope that whatever that uh, her future endeavors are, I hope they're a lot better than this. Yeah. By the way, uh, that's uh, Bobby Kotick she's referring to. Okay. Yeah. Well, he's a, a jerk. Yeah. And finally, uh, we move away from video games, and uh, I can't believe. You know, after we talked about, you know, stuff at the beginning of the show, we'd be moving back into this in a, you know, hilarious way, but here we are. Um, the oddest book title of the year award has gone out, and uh, the do you want to know what the title of the book is? What is it? Is Superman Circumcised? Wow. Yeah. Um, so, um, I got nothing. I mean, I, I mean, I, I guess maybe in this alternative universe that uh, Superman, uh, Clark Kent lands in a jewish home in smallville i don't know i have no idea but uh, is superman circumcised does win the and according to the guardian i'm just going to read into this um so the diagram prize which is run by the bookseller magazine and voted for by the public uh pitted six titles uh, against each other this year from from curves for the mathematically curious to hats, uh, a very unnatural history. Uh, despite the competition from second place, uh, the life cycle of Russian things, uh, from fish guts to uh, fabricage, um, is, is Superman circumcised? Took 51% of the public vote to win the award. More than 11,000 people cast the vote in this year's competition. Uh, the title, which follows the footsteps of former winners, including uh, How to Avoid Huge Ships and uh, The Big Book of Lesbian Horseshoe Stories. Um, lesbian horse stories, sorry. <laughs> Horseshoe stories. Uh, what, what? Yeah, the, the big book of lesbian horse stories. So, uh, okay. Um, I'm, I'm looking up Superman, is Superman circumcised? And I know the context of it. Okay. 
Superman is the original superhero, an American icon, and arguably the most famous character in the world, and he's Jewish. Introduced in 1938, the Man of Steel was created by Jew to, uh, Jewish teenagers named Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Uh, Jerry Siegel is the son of immigrants from Eastern Europe, and Joe Schuster was an immigrant. They base their hero's origin stories on Moses, his strength on Samson, his mission on Golem, and his nebbish secret identity on themselves. They made a, him a refugee fleeing catastrophic events on the eve of World War II and sent him into tearing Nazi tanks apart nearly two years before the U.S. joined the war. In the following decades, Superman, mostly Jewish writers, artists, and editors continue to borrow Jewish motifs for their stories, basing Krypton's past on Genesis and Exodus, its society on Jewish culture, the trial of Lex Luthor on Adolf Eichmann, uh, Eichmann, I'm sorry, and uh, a future holiday celebrating Superman on Passover, a fascinating journey through comic book lore, American history, and Jewish tradition. The book examines the entirety of Superman's career from 1938 to date and is sure to give readers a newfound appreciation for the mensch of steel. Okay, so in that context, it makes a lot of sense. But if you were to take it out of context, it's like, is Superman circumcised? It would be weird. I was going to say, I think uh, maybe his new boyfriend would definitely know. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah. So, so I guess congratulations, I guess, to uh, uh, that book. But uh, I guess it has more, you know, definite meaning, I think, than uh, I think the book. Uh, also, oh, there is also a very good uh, mention of the uh, name of the saying, uh, don't judge a book by its cover. That's very true. And we also went full circle considering we talked about Hanukkah starting off and we're going to be ending it with um, a book that is actually focusing on the Jewish um, um, you know, upbringings of Superman. So there you go. Yeah. And right now it's one oddest book title of the year. So sure. All right, everybody. Um, we've reached the end of the show. Um, so we're in this awkward position of like, we don't know if we're going to say, you know, Merry Christmas and Happy Happy New Year and uh, say, you know, we'll see you in season three uh, come next year or and then we're going to be starting Dream Machine again. Or if, uh, you know, we're going to be doing something really special for the end of uh, Aaron and Patricia. So uh, one of those things, two things are going to happen. So, uh, yeah, well, I guess uh, I guess you could say it's either this is the season finale, or you're gonna be you're gonna be on the edge of your seat, uh, wondering if the he's gonna he's gonna like gravity falls. It's kind of like okay, we've reached the end of this now. He's like, oh wait, there's more, you know. Like <laughs> uh, so, I think uh, I guess that's where we are in the uh, in this uh, in this season. So uh, yeah, but, that's uh, very true. Regardless uh, whether we're gonna be here or whether we're gonna be on Dream Machine, uh, we'll definitely let you know uh, when we know near at the time. But uh, if uh, if we see you next week, then yeah, we'll see you next week. But if not, then uh, yeah, thank you very much for watching Aaron and Patricia, or listening to Aaron and Patricia, should I say. So Yeah, and uh, yeah, well, uh, whatever happens, uh, you'll be sure to know that uh, we'll be around talking about various things. But um, we hope that you stick around and uh, find out what we're up to. Cool. Take care, everybody. Have a good week. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye.